Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, Game of Thrones, Season 2, Episode 1, The North Remembers. They always fucking remember. And this episode was originally aired on April 1st, 2012. And here we are. Joe and I are back to find... I know it seems like so fucking long ago. Joe and I are back here to stick to a commitment that we put out there that these Sunday evenings, every Sunday evening or most Sundays, we're going to miss a couple, but that's a different point altogether. But we're going to come out here and get a lot of this season two of Game of Thrones stuff. And I was really pumped and excited to be able to watch season two of Game of Thrones. I watched it last night. I watched it this afternoon. <laughs> I, I watched it a couple times. I listened to the audio commentary of D&D from the, from, the, from the DVD commentaries. So, What are their names again, D&D? Uh, Dave and Dan. Dave and Dan. Okay. Dave and Dan. Like producer. Yeah, producers, creators, show creators. And they and they actually told me a lot of information I wanted to know about kind of how the beginning of this episode was switched and we didn't get the prologue to to the book. And they explained that right off the bat. It was actually a choice by the editor that didn't like to start the episode with the Stana stuff. They wanted to start it with characters we were more familiar with rather than introduce new characters in the very first scene. Which I, I guess I can somewhat understand. So, anyways, guys, if this is your first time tuning in, you're like, what the hell are you talking about season two of Game of Thrones? Basically, we started our Game of Thrones recaps on season four, and we wanted to go back in the time machine and review every single one of the Game of Thrones episodes and catch back up. And here we are starting season two. And so we did a three-hour recap of seasons one through three, but that was only three hours for three seasons. And, and generally, think, after an episode, we do a three-hour recap. Right, and I want to say, episode. and I want to say, we wasted two and like two and a half of those hours talking about season one too. And, and then yeah, it, I think so also. And then like the last half hour, like yeah, season two and three stuff happens too. So, <laughs> stuff happens. Stuff happens too. And I'm not alone. Joe Dirtylocks is with me this evening. We also have our good friend Sam yeah. Ren, Kaylana Critch, Lee. AD can't be with us tonight, but we'll be checking this out this morning. We have a lot of our friends, and we'll be trying to do this as many of the Sunday evenings in between now and the beginning of the Walking Dead season on on Valentine's Day 2016. We'll be trying to fit in as many of these episodes as we can. There's a couple weeks, like I said, here and there that we might miss along the way or might do it earlier in the day, like a Sunday at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock or something if there's something we need to do in that evening. So all of that stuff out of the way. If you need to want to join in, share your thoughts on any episode that we're going to be talking about or this episode, you can jump in the chat live and talk with some of the people we have in there right now. You can also email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. You can call in 781-990-8509, tweet at I Got Issues Man at me, tweet at Dirty Locks to Joe. Those are all the ways you can get in touch with us for right now. So let's not waste any time because there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in this episode of Game of Thrones. Season 2, I talked about this when we were doing season episode 9 and 10, Joe. Seasons 2 and 3... I'm less familiar with the show. I think I've watched seasons two and three less than I've a lot less than I've watched season one. I've watched season one like multiple millions of times, and seasons two and three I've watched not because I don't like them as much, just because I just love season one so fucking much. But watching this first episode now, I forgot about so much that happened, and there's so much awesome stuff that happens in this episode. Uh, there's a few things I forgot that I was like, wow, I forgot about that. What balls. <laughs> 
<laughs> Critch wants to know if the time machine's involved. Okay, here, let's get this out of the way. If you're listening to this and you're kind of like following along and you still haven't watched the rest of Game of Thrones, we're going to do the best we can to protect you from anything in the future that might spoil you. We we can't promise and we can't promise the chat's going to do that we, either. We try to pretend even in our commentary that right. this is our we try to <laughs> Right, we try to pretend, but it's not something we're going to take like so ridiculously serious. So we kind of try to talk through it. And you can read through our bullshit if you have seen it. And if you haven't, you're like, those guys are really repeating that statement over and over again. Why are they saying that? That sounds stupid. So we'll try to cover both ends. Don't be too crazy about protecting spoilers. But because most likely if someone's tuning into a couple of hour podcast about season two of Game of Thrones, they've probably seen Game of Thrones by now. I, I'm just guessing. I'm guessing. Maybe not. Most likely. King in the North, we got Ben. What's up? Hopefully I can be here for a little while, lady. Welcome, lady. We are a little earlier. Critch has to uh, terminate the time The time continuum has been messed up. Stop, stop. All hail the King of the North. In this episode, what I really love about it, and I think what I forget sometimes, uh, because Rob's such a different person where we are in Game of Thrones now, he's just completely different kind of personality. In, these, in this early seasons, Rob is so, this is probably getting to the height of Rob's confidence as a person. He's really confident in this episode, Joe. He, we, get, we get Rob at his most well, we, co- cocky. He won three battles in a row. Uh, three, And they're not necessarily big on scale, but they're huge victories because he's a young king. He needs to keep all the lords in line. So these are very big victories, and it shows all of his people in the north that he might know what he's doing. Hmm. That, absolutely. And, and also not to mention just defeating someone in battle or the the fact of defeating someone with the experience and with Tywin and kind of besting him and besting Jamie is just enough to a boy beat you, a boy put you in your place. And, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Sam, have a good night. It's okay. We will be here tomorrow morning when this video is over. <laughs> when this is over, it will be posted. And guys, I have to say it off the bat. I've been in contact with YouTube support. YouTube support's been in contact with me. There's been some problems with the streams freezing. It happens. They they literally told me there's nothing they can do about it right now, that they're not sure what's happening. So if you ever want to listen to the whole entire uninterrupted podcast, the audio version will always be intact, and you can find that. In fact, I might cut this out of the audio version but if you're watching the video version you're like wait that got skipped around right there something got cut out because sometimes when the, the recordings don't save the whole recording there's a whole bunch of hooey i know you're like i don't want to hear about that yeah about a whole bunch of hooey you're like that's not game of thrones i don't give a shit about that stuff exactly so the who's you what's fucked up in the schmazoozle okay so the episode as i mentioned airs on april 1st 2012 so let's not waste any time and get right into it now the opening of the episode, as we notice, our our opening crawl has changed. Some locations have been added. But one thing that we found I found out in the DVD commentary was that initially HBO wanted to do the whole Sopranos thing with the intro to Game of Thrones. They didn't want to worry or care too much about changing it every year and adding different locations. They just wanted to have the same static thing. And Dan and Dave had a fight with, or these are from their words, had a fight with them tooth and nail to get them to be able to change the intro. Why? You would have to change it somewhat anyway to edit out different names of characters that are and aren't there. So why not 
I mean, and how, how big of a deal is it? You can, I mean, you know pretty much what locations you're going to be dealing with. They knew they had to set five years or whatever that they were going to deal with at first. So they knew a bunch of the locations, if not all the locations of Westeros. So there's no reason why they couldn't have prepared it all and chunked a bunch of budget on it, like, pretty much right away. No, and I just used whichever ones they needed when they needed them. I agree. I just think HBO, we all, we're going to take a, oh, I just tried to answer the call. If you just tried to call on the show, please try the call right back. I just think that, just like any suits in some cases, they were probably just trying to save money and thinking, oh, that's not that important to the show. And it is really important to the show. It, it ultimately became that. And they also talk about the theme coming in very late in the process of the first season. The theme in that intro are almost... As, are almost in, as important to the success of the television show as a lot of other things. Little things like that matter. Shows can live and die by by a, a crappy intro or something like that. Yes, it can. Uh, Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah, I, 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 I was <laughs> I was thinking about Enterprise. Welcome to the show, my friend. Um, yeah. So with the three battles Rob won, do you think that maybe um, that Tywin? Could have underestimated him, or think like this. I want to good for something like that. Like that, he he wouldn't underestimate. Uh, awesome call. Sorry, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Your your cell phone's breaking up a little bit. But to answer your question. Uh, yes, I do think that Tywin underestimated him, and I think he realizes that in the last episode when him and Tyrion are talking. I think he basically says as much to to, no, to Tyrion. I, I don't really think he did. I think. Uh... I think Tywin thinks Jamie underestimated him for sure. I think Tywin's smart enough to know that Rob isn't running the show on his own. He's got a bunch of older nobles that have all made him king, that are all sitting around the table, talking strategy. Ultimately, Rob makes the choices and the decisions, but he's got a lot of smart guys that threw up a rebellion against the Targaryens, and at first, Tywin. Or, you know, Ty what was Tywin's side, even though it kind of abstained. The only counterpoint I bring to you, Joe, is that I think Tywin knows he can manipulate those people a lot easier than he can manipulate Rob. Because they're older and more set in their way. Not, they're older and less headstrong. Not it, after not after cutting off Ned Stark's head. Yeah, it's going to take time. He, he ends up jumping the time machine here. He ends up manipulating a lot of he, them. He, he ends up manipulating a couple of them. Uh, Rob has something, a hand in that himself. And the ambitions of one or two sleazy motherfuckers might have a hand in that as well. But ultimately, that takes time, too. And that's one of the things I want to say that the show kind of gets a little wrong as, as far as I've always been concerned. I don't feel like, and I think the intro has something to do with that. It makes the distances between these places not seem so large in yeah. random scale. And, it may, and the way the show does time... It makes the show seem like there's not much time between traveling to a place or another place or 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 how much time has actually gone by. Like They actually address that in the DVD commentary when talking about Tyrion getting getting back to King's Landing and like wearing the same stuff. They're like, actually, that would have taken a long, 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 long time for him to go. He changed right. his outfit many times. That's why he's back and wearing the same thing he was wearing when he left because he's changed uh, 70 times to get back to the same outfit. Well, he didn't have much, uh, you know, he had some, must have something because he was, you know, in camp with his father for that battle, but he's not going to have much of like 
wardrobe and shit like that. Ducrog says the books go into more detail about the bowels as well. And Kaylana says, I support the theory that Talisa was a spy, Tywin, who knew Volantis people. Young man Rob still thinks by his cock. I have heard that a lot, that that this all, in a lot of ways, was all a big setup by Tywin. Tywin put her in the p- right place at the right time, knowing that... Like, she's very cryptic in the books and in the show, kind of. I think it makes more sense. Thing. Not to get too far down there, Joe, but I think it makes more... That makes a lot of sense in the books, that it was ma- that, that was manipulated by... And I'm, I'm repeating what I, I believe uh, uh, Preston Jacobs has went on this and went to rant about this, about the... Like that, Rob was a young boy. This older woman manipul, you know, th- takes advantage of him sexually. He's a young kid. He wouldn't know what to do. He was wounded. He was ex. Like all these different you know, things. Those could have also been plans for Shay as well. I'm a big believer of that, and of that Shay is a right person in the right time. Because we often talk about, again, we're in the time machine here, but we often talk about when Shay did switch, or was she switched the whole time? Well, it is also like as far as like. It's notorious even here that where war breaks out, prostitution increases in that area 10, 20, 30 fold. It's, you know, there are, there are, are women that, and men that just follow around uh, troops and platoons and shit like that and stay in local hotels near them. So that's steady local business, you know, steady so, business. Anyway. So we're almost through the prologue now. No, we're almost through the intro now. So we're, we move. And but basically HBO wanted to keep the same static one from season to season. And Den Day fought not to. OK, so we start off the episode with the uh, it's fair to say. And I mentioned this at the beginning, but they originally in the, in the original edits for this episode started the this episode with the prologue similar to past similar to last season with the intro of all the stuff with Melisandre and all the stuff going on in Stannis and Dragonstone. They were viewing the episode and they did not think it looked right and they ended up switching it back to this and switching it to to starting with characters that we that we are familiar with. Start with Joffrey the Hound, Sansa. Yeah. How, how do you feel about that, Joe? Do you think they should have started with the prologue? Uh, I I like the way they started the se- the season. The thing is, is I uh, saw season one and couldn't wait for season two. So read book two, and then the rest of them, and then book one. And as far as I was concerned, I didn't really care like i was just so excited that it was starting that i got to watch a new episode that uh it started just fine it threw me right into into the story gave me stuff i wanted to see right off the bat so the episode starts out with the hound and another man grunting and fighting on the top of a wall and the hound knocks him away knocks his shield away knocks him off the wall and the camera pans over from there to where joffrey stands in his tent watching yeah well struck La, well struck dog and you can see Joffrey's almost getting a little turned on by the whole oh, situation he's wicked hard right oh, isn't he this whole this whole episode he is he's he's got a stiffy he's he's got a Richard Stabone in his pants this is this is pure Joffrey porn right here oh. there's nothing he likes more than to see either either people hurt by his hand which I don't think he's necessarily discovered yet but people hurt by his command for sure he loves it yeah, he, like it's, a, it's the only power he has because he can't do it himself. Well struck, dog. Exactly. And the the hound removes his helmet. Joffrey turns to Sansa. Did you like that? And Sansa, I love her 
in these scenes with Joffrey. It I forgot. Well struck. I just I forgot how much I loved her in these early scenes. How just deadpan she plays it. Well, Katie, Katie said a great thing. She like as soon as she said this, Katie, Katie pipes up and says, "Ah, that's what I don't like about Sansa. She never commits. She doesn't commit one way or the other. Like you can't commit in this situation. It, she rides this line like either be defiant or see." See where yeah, I did, where I somewhat it's disagree. Very strange, like she's she's snarky and shit, but yet she's submissive. See, it's... I like that. I like the way she's playing it. I like I like this this way that she's manipulating Joffrey. She's using. She ultimately gets what she wants out of the situation. She wants to save Dantos. She saves him. She totally manipulates him. Gets the Hound to to lie something the Hound hates doing to get on her side in this situation just to manipulate Joffrey and almost leave Joffrey not knowing what to do like huh 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 well, i think it's, it's the, the i think, I think it's, it's the perfect tactic perfect tactic with joffrey because i think if she pushes too hard she knows she's fucking dead i don't think the hound lies i think the hound it's mentioned somewhere no that's else. bullshit that's some bullshit season one, no it's mentioned either it's in the in season one or in book one that on your name day man you can't do that shit what you do on your name day you reap all year it's not just the hound that said that i think like Old Nan must have said it or some shit. Or I don't something. remember that. I, I I want I want links or it didn't happen. I don't remember that. So <laughs> I, know this, I don't think this is the first time. Uh, <laughs> I think that shit's made up. I or, think so. or it's said again later at some other point. Uh, Critch says she can't be rebellious. Let she can't score small points for her own sanity. Uh, Rachel says I have to say I hated Sansa in these early episodes. I kind of did too. Critch says first because she's a douchebag in the in the first season, and then because she's just like, come on, man, they killed your whole family. Like, yeah, do something. Stab Joffrey in the face. Push him off the fight. He's showing you your dad's head. Push him off the fucking wall. What no, are you waiting I, for? I, I do it. Grab him and jump off with him if you're worried about getting tortured. Like I hear, I hear what you're saying, but I just I appreciate her in this scene. I appreciate the wise ass nature that she's talking to him because she's dancing, similar to what Chris just said. She's dancing on the razor blade the, in the hands of a madman right now. She, yeah, she is, it, it she's just, walking a very me. fine. She's walking a very fine line right here. Okay, Phil, I'm grabbing a motherfucker and jumping off the wall with him. <laughs> if they do that to you, all right. Your head's on the pike, man. That's what we're doing. Fair enough al red sox fam welcome 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 my friend well struck dog and uh and al you spoke too soon about said football game i don't want to get too into that anyways so so sansa says yes your grace uh it was well struck i already said that it was well struck so he's pissed uh she's not more she's not emotional she's kind of got this dead inside thing going on what you think of that reaction to it she's sort of totally glazed over and, oh she's completely disgusted yeah this disgusted by it. i don't think she's ever and i think a lot of the is kind of feeling the same way they don't show it some of them like it or into it two of like, them you know, we like, one of them we like, like it glad, you know i would go to the gladiator show we know Marin trant likes it because he's smile. we see him in the background smiling and we know ill Payne somewhere smile smiling about all this i don't the even think wrong with mma is there's not enough death <laughs> <laughs> someone said off and let's do this right like someone said that about american survivor too that, that in some of the european survivors people die in the show they're like i don't want to watch that show no one dies so uh <laughs> no one dies okay so let's continue on sorry i'm getting lost in the chat thank you guys so much for joining us here okay so a boy walks in and starts cleaning up the blood so joffrey just who's next so they eventually announced sir dantos of the Red House of Holy. What is he doing there? He is, uh, he is in a free rider in the service of Lord Baelish, is what the announcer says. 
So he is some he is someone working with uh, working with Lord Baelish as we jump in the time machine as we know later. But ultimately, that's why he's here. And that's the one day if you're gonna call out sick, dude. That's the one day you want to call out sick. Joffrey's fucking gladiator birthday party where the hound just tosses people off the fucking turret. Yeah, shit. yeah. Does, After bludgeoning them with axes and swords and shields. And, yeah, Joe, know the room. Know the room. Right? Like, like sorry, Baelish, I, I wish I could go represent you, know, you at Joffrey's birthday, but... Okay, let's jump, in the, let's jump in the chat here for a second. Uh, Ren says, what frustrated me was she was never smart enough to know how valuable she is as a hostage. And, True. And Al says, the, the Hound gave Sansa good advice. Kaylana says, rewatching, I give Sansa more sympathy as she was ra- raised, allowed too much privileges, princess preparation lies. Yep. Uh, and I mean, you you do that. I guess that's where I'm at too, because of me giving Sansa so much, so many problems in season four in our recaps, and people being like, "You're giving her to a hard time." I'm kind of trying to look at it in a different perspective here and get and look at her, especially in these early seasons. Uh, not so much last year, but in season two, she's really had the whole world ripped ripped uh, in front of her. He just dragged her in front of her father's head on a spike, and she just glazed over. And I agree with you, Joe. The move, and I think we talked about this in episode 10, the move is to grab him and jump with him And when he shows you the head. Oh, that's Scepter Mordain right there. That's George W. Bush. I'm taking you down, motherfucker. Yeah. But but I, I guess I feel a little – I'm with Kaylana here. A little, to a point, I feel more sympathy for her at this point. It might not last, but it definitely right now I feel sympathy for it, and I enjoy the way she – her tactic for dealing with this. I, I agree with what Katie's saying, what a lot of people can be fr- frustrated that she doesn't do more. But I think she's doing what she can. It's not just do more like to like kill Joffrey, but like to commit to <laughs> – Marcus Marcus Caesar in the chat. Hold that thought for one second because I have to say this before it scrolls by. Aria was raised the same way and she wasn't a cunt. <laughs> There's a little bit, and I was about to say that too, uh, Marcus, but I held off because the difference is, is you know, she got a haircut and uh, <laughs> Sansa say gets smacked and stripped and shit, you know? I mean, you could say that they were both raised different in the sense that Sansa wasn't allowed to spend time with any of the any of the like the people that are working in the working in the training facilities, working in the armory. Uh, Arya had more of a relationship with Jon Snow, who probably had a big influence on her to kind of look at think, look at life in a different way, much different way. Whereas Sansa just was kind of ignorant to all of that, whether how much of that was Catelyn's fault, and she knew she could keep. Keep be keep Sansa away, and uh, Arya was very much more Ned's Ned's child or something. I mean, we we could look into all of that. Or <clears throat> very much more Stark. Uh, let's jump in the chat for one more second. What, wow, that info Dantos was in Baelish's hands means Petire was already setting something setting setting something up. Uh, Al Red Sox fan grabbed him and pushed him off. Kaylana says. Uh, Aria Marcos was was like Jon Snow, a second daughter with less family marriage responsibilities. Great point. Miss Ash, welcome. This is off topic, but did you guys see the Ramsey and Cersei Tom and teaser picture for next season that was released a few hours ago? I have not seen that yet. I have something to look forward to after the show. Thank you so much. I haven't. There was, wasn't there another teaser earlier, like this week? Or like, yeah, I did. I ended up doing a, tra- uh, a little review of a teaser trailer. Yeah, that I haven't on. watched your review or the 
or the trailer? It's, it's not much. The only thing new is uh, a, a voiceover by Blood Raven. That's based. You did, you did a Superman Batman one too. Which trailer was that? The one where he just pulls them. I, I actually did both of them. I did both, but I don't want to talk too much about. I haven't it. seen the second one. Yeah. I haven't. Oh. DB, hey Phil and Joe, just saw you, you bring guys. Bring stuff up and then you shut me down. Sorry, Joe. DB, hey, because I don't want to dwell on that bullshit. I don't want to. Oh God. <laughs> hey, make sure you check that video. Out. I don't. I'm not, I'm not that guy, Joe. DB, uh, Phil and Joe, just saw you guys were live. So I wanted to stop him, but I have to head off to bed for work. Miss chatting with everybody. No problem. We are not going anywhere. We'll be here most Sundays and maybe some Sundays a little bit earlier in the evening as well. Uh, sorry, Aria was a rebel sensor, was the perfect lady. Aria was nine-tenths along the way to self-sufficiency, and Sansa was made for a world that no longer ex- exists. Aria has the wolf blood. The wolf blood. I agree with. I agree with everyone saying in the chat. And again, thank you. Well, so the world Arya uh, Sansa was raised for never really <laughs> existed. It's it's like it's always been kind of like the illusion of of that life. I mean, the, the the messed up families and history of Westeros is vast <laughs> and complete there's a lot there vast and complete you want just i don't even want to say it and one last thing about that show don't if you want to be surprised by the movie don't watch the most recent batman superman trailer that's the only thing i'll say don't watch it you don't want to be ruined in the movie but watch the game of thrones one it's pretty it's pretty exciting it's a big fuck you goose by hbo they don't really give too much new info but it's worth watching it will get you hyped up it's it's definitely hype inducing for me. Okay, uh, so like, like the Walking Dead trailers where they're just like flashes of them in the woods that have nothing to do with the season. This is this is a lot. This is a lot different. They do flashes of things that happened in the past with with just a, a slight a twenty second new monologue from Blood Raven and Bran talking or a scene with Blood from, Raven. So it's okay. it's it doesn't disclose anything. But I'll say this: that HBO and Game of Thrones, Dan and Dave, they know how to do hype and and make it feel good and they not know how make to it, fuck with you. Dude. They know how to fuck with you. And in in this trailer, to get too too far into it, because I've talked about this before, but they really know how to remind you to go fuck yourself. And the things that he says, you know nothing, nothing, you know nothing about what's gonna happen. Is basically what they say to you in the trailer. It's it's a big fuck you to everybody in the best possible way so uh critch says i like aria much much more but everyone needs to cut sansa a break although book sansa did portray her dad as much left deserving of a break well you know she do you do you say what you need to say to try to save someone's life or or do you stand headstrong and 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 you know make that i, I mean me personally i don't give in to any kind of you know Kill me. I believe you're going to kill me anyway. So why would I wouldn't do what you wanted? But I don't know if I would have called it betraying her father. Hmm. Bro- uh, Broadster says Trying season to save two her by doing whatever like fuck her own pride or whatever. What is what is all that when it comes down to it? If your if your dad is still alive, season two is the best season. I'm not sure what season was my favorite season. When we're all done, Joe and I can do that. Do our lists of our favorite seasons. It, it's that would involve like 60 hours, 70 hours of watching. But we're going to do it anyway. That's what I'm saying. Like when we're done with three, we can look back and say which I one of those seasons. I, I, I really can't pick. Is it like picking your pick favorite? my least favorite, but I don't think I can pick my favorite. Hmm, fair enough. Most recent one's your least favorite? I can't even remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
They, they, no, there was some good shit at the end of that. So what? So you just said you could Hard pick. Hard home? Are you kidding me? So Hard what home? was your least favorite then? You said you could pick your least favorite. I don't know. I want to do, don't want to do this now. We'll do this on a separate podcast later. I don't want to oh, make jo- of the wall. I don't want to make jo- I don't want to make Joe's head explode over here. So, so okay. So we're into the halfway through the first moment of, minute of the episode. Let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, HBO middle finger to the book reader. If you can check out the chat, Joe. Some people are uh, yelling about it. Okay, so Sir Dantas of the Red House of Hoard. The announcer gestures in the opposite direction. Uh, he comes out. He's shit faced. Joffrey calls him on his shit faced, and it. He's like, I'm not drunk. I only had two cups of wine. And Joffrey plays this so good. Oh, why don't you have another cup of wine? Oh, you can drink your fill. Is it okay? Give him his fill. And Sansa knows what's going to happen this whole time. Everybody knows exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't say another word. The guards just fucking drown. They stick a horn down his throat and drown him. A funnel, yeah. funnel a whole keg into him. Oh, Shit, it's so much fun to watch. And poor guy, poor guy. That's why kids. That's why you don't. Go, that's why you don't drink. That's why drinking wine is bad for you. Mm-hmm. Awful. That's why you don't binge drink, Phil. Yeah, or drink too much too quick. Yes, or something. You, know, you see how quick you puked. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So. Ultimately, two Kingsguard and Marin Trent grab Sir Dantos. They bring him into the open air by, area nearby. Dantos is forced to his knees. One Kingsguard keeps him down. Why Marin Trent and the other Kingsguard get a funnel and a barrel of wine, and they just start forcing it down his throat. It's a fucked up scene going on here. The Kingsguard with the barrel starts pouring the wine down the funnel. Dantos begins gargling. He tries to like it a little bit. And Sansa steps. And you say people that say she doesn't step up, she steps up. You can't. She she goes all stark. You can't do that. What no, is she does. She does. She saves Sir Dante's life, and she does it big, she, in uh, a ballsy way. Plays fucking Joffrey. Yeah, she does it in a somewhat ballsy way in this situation. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, what's he gonna do? Like drown her in front of everybody too? He can't do that. He knows he can't do that. He he, he knew he couldn't kill Ned Stark too. No, I don't think he did know that. I don't think he realized the ramifications. I think he kind of expected like I'm king now. My dad was king. I'm king now. You know, fuck that. But I, I don't think he realized exactly the politics that were involved with killing someone like Ned Stark. Some... Other lords, yes, he could have gotten away with that, no problem. Ned Stark. <laughs> Dantos, the MVP, says broad. And chat's going, chat's cracking me. Sun Lives, wow, you guys are hardcore for rewatching. And you're even hardcore for stepping in, for stepping yeah. in discussion about season two in 2015, at the end of 2015. You're you're sitting up late at night or early in the, whatever time it is where you're at in a chat. Watching us two asses yeah, talk about us. something we know nothing. Watch you know us. nothing. Yeah. You know Joe nothing. Issues guy. You know, you know nothing, nothing, Joe Dirty Locks. Good job on uh, balking on my name there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I got it out. You were about to. I told you I'm super tired and I work. I've been at a Comic Con for the last two days, 12 hour days. <laughs> so, so, anyways, uh, Eric Flores says seasons one, four, three, two, and five so far are your list. Mine's pretty similar to that. I may switch at some points, four and one switch for me, but, and then Tuesday, it's tough. It's difficult. Different, co- we'll do a whole podcast of that when we're done on our rewatch of our favorite seasons. Okay, so ultimately she says, well, he goes, what'd you say? What'd you say, motherfucker? Say, say what again, motherfucker? And, <laughs> and she goes, no, I only meant it would be bad luck to kill a man on your name day. And Joffrey's like, what kind of stupid peasant superstition? You that shit, hound. Yeah. The girl's right. 
What a man sows. What a what a man sows on his name's day, he reaps all year. Sows on his name day, he reaps all year. That that word is also pronounced sow. Sow. Sow and sow, two different words, but. Okay, so I wasn't I wasn't Ron Burgundying myself there reading it. A sow is a what a big female pig, and a a sow is when you sow something. Go fuck yourself, so, Sandy. So like a field of whatever. Yeah, I read whatever's in front of me. Oh, sure. Go fuck yourself, Sir Dantos. I mean, San Diego. The barrel and funnel are removed, and Sir Dantos is released. He pukes out the mixture of blood and wine, oh, blood and wine, onto the ground. Sansa turns immediately, like, takes, puts her agenda out there. He's a fool. You're clever to see it. He'll make a much better fool than Knight. He doesn't deserve the mercy of a quick death. And she basically ass kisses because Joffrey is like, oh, yes, I'll kill him later. I'll kill him tomorrow. And, no. she, and she manipulates him. Oh, he'd be a much better fool. And Look how much fun you're having playing with him like that. You can do this to him every day. You can make him drown on some wine, Joffrey. Don't be an idiot. Don't kill him. You can well, torture him. Okay. You can make him an ass in front of everybody for the rest of his life. Why would you want to kill him? This is too much too much good stuff for you to pass up, Joffrey. Well, okay, I guess so. Big Kev, hey guys, so you guys talking about a show uh, that might or not bring back some characters way better than some other show tried to. Mother dick out. Abs- I was talking about that the other day, about how everything HBO well, is precedent it. set, you know, already with shit in, in Game of Thrones, whereas in uh, oh, this latest fiasco... That wasn't. Re- it was just a little over the top and obvious. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Speaking of you, you mentioned him. Bump, 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 bump. He's back. He's back. Tyrion. We hear. We hear coming from the distance. Beloved nephew Tyrion Braun and a number of Hills tribesmen appear from the right. People murmur and they, oh my God, we've looked for you in the bed. And Tyrion doesn't waste any time. He's got his bar yes. at his best in these it's be, it's, in these two scenes it's because he has for the first time in his life he actually has his father's backing and he knows he's there to to do oh. he can do what his father ordered him to do and he just goes in there full throttle with the bottom ball and fuck like that breastplate he's wearing puffs his chest out makes him stand up straight as he walks like it's it's brilliant and, uh. and like he he's so just he takes command over everything that's going on. Uh, Uncle, what are you doing here? How? What? Huh? <sighs> my birthday's been ruined by Uncle. <laughs> oh my gosh! And to answer your question, uh, it's me, KIC. Uh, someone in the chat, you guys. I think you guys have all seen the episode. Just warn, be like anyone that hasn't seen it. Spoiler, blah blah blah. I think we're gonna be somewhat good. We, you know us. We we try our best, but we end up doing Zach Morris timeouts for a second here and talk about futuristic events. So if you're going to join, if you're going to put stuff that's happened after this point, just warn people that haven't, you know, I don't think anyone that's in here right now hasn't seen the episode, hasn't seen up to season five. Personally, I, I, that it's hard for me to, and I know I said that once on one of these in season one and someone wrote me a, an email that's like, actually, I haven't seen it yet. So please be careful. I don't know if it's someone trolling me though. And just, just say <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Okay. So, so t- then why are you watching a video? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Joffrey said, I've uh, I've been here ruling the kingdoms. Oh, what a fine job you've done. And then he goes and talks to these two people I didn't recognize. Who are these people? 
The, oh, the the children that are sitting there. Yeah, yeah, they don't look familiar. Those can't be. That's not Tom and Marcella. They, no, they look. They didn't look like Baratheons. They look like Lannisters. No, but I'm saying is we've seen them more recently in season five. That's not them. That's not them. Those are two different actors. Oh it, well, well, they they are different actors, aren't they? This is like one of the many many uh, character or actor changes they've had for characters on the show. It's ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Oh, awesome. Uh, Tyrion strutted out like a giant and strutted sitting down at the small console table. I fucking loved it. Like, if, if, you were, if you were cast in one of the first seasons as a character, wouldn't you read on that character and see if he was coming back and turn anything down until that time had passed? <laughs> like, for this show, like, in particular, like, as long as it's not... As long as we're not filming during the time that's filming, they still make it. I think it in much most work. cases, especially with the kids' actors, they were replaced, all kidding aside, they're replaced because they don't feel like the actors that they cast originally can pull off some of the stuff that they want them to do. That's going to be coming up. Yeah, some of the acting stuff that's going to want to do. And they didn't quite age right. They didn't grow into their abilities as quickly as they had hoped. There's, certain, there's many reasons why. I get the child thing. It pisses me off more with stuff like the Dario thing. It, whether I like New Dario or not like New Dario, the fact that they recast a, a, a character like that with someone that doesn't even fit the body it's the, that stuff bothers me a little bit the, the mountain, mountain the three, mountain stuff bothers me a little bit too but whatever three times <laughs> three times three times three fucking times <laughs> critch says they grew up a lot <laughs> yeah they should sure everest is always everest it's not it's not like k2 next week <laughs> okay so this is a really funny scene where Tyrion, uh Tyrion gets you really see the affinity that he has for his nephew and niece. We talk about this a lot through our uh, watches of Game of Thrones. And look at you. You're going to be bigger than the Hound to Tommen and much better looking as Tyrion smiles and Marcella laughs. And then he motions over to the Hound and says, this one doesn't like me. And Braun and Braun, <laughs> well, blame him. You can't imagine. It's can't imagine why. And <laughs> and again, this is something not to get too far down. It is explored a lot more in the book that. The Hound really doesn't like Tyrion, and Tyrion and the Hound don't get along at all. And Tyrion and Joffrey don't get along, and they don't like each other. So Tyrion slapped him across the face last mm. year, last season at the Wall. Didn't he? Like, you will go, like, say, apologize, not at the Wall, at Winterfell. You will go uh, show your sympathies to the family and smacks him with some shit. Did they ever say why they recast Dario? I think Dario won, uh, wanted to do the wanted to do a movie was it the ultimate the the born wasn't he like the spin-off born guy wasn't that, that what he did no, jeremy renner was the spin-off oh yeah born. but i think he did some mo- movie was it this I, I i don't I'm know so, i'm sorry I, I i turn anything down that's filming during the time that the game might be fil- filming because it's more i think for your career it's almost the payday now is one thing sometimes you really really need it but if you can like put into your contract like that you film around or your scenes are in Europe or wherever. You don't have to tell me twice, Joe. If I ever got it, it would, Game of Thrones would take precedent over everything. But that's because we're into it. To an actor, in some ways, it's jobs and money and what you get paid more and all sorts. I know it's like your that. it's your professional life. You have to you have to take jobs because there's no guarantee. They might say, yeah, you know what? We don't. You and uh, you and Queenie don't really have a chemistry after oh, all in sorry sorry klc it's klc not kic and imp slap says critch yes imp slap that was so fucking great okay so basically we get a funny back and forth with Tyrion. death is so boring especially now he looks at sansa 
uh, apologizes to her. What are you apologizing to her for? Her loss? Well, you lost your father too recently. You, uh, you maybe you could sympathize and just kind of gets right in his face. And uh, Sansa, right on command. My father was a traitor. My mother and brother are traitors too. I am loyal well, to my beloved Jeffrey. He looks. He like. He like leans over in his chair and just stares at her and like cues her like with this gaze to repeat your your uh, pledge of treacherous deeds or whatever <laughs> family's bad fucking history and, now. and Tyrion gulps down some wine he says well enjoy your name day your grace wish i could stay and celebrate but there's work to be done and he just walks off what huh what, what are you talking about <laughs> why are you even here <laughs> why are you even what's here? what's he talking about he turns to like the hound what's he even talking about <laughs> what's he what's he talking about joe Holy crap. Oh, and I love it when he walks into the freaking small council. Yeah, here is that right go. here? That's right now. That's right, right here. Right so the, the, oh, beautiful. Like the transition is wonderful. His his entrance into the show this episode is amazing. Yeah, no, it's really awesome and for a couple of reasons. So the scene starts, the council members are sitting at the table. A man walks to the table with a covered bird cage. It's a white raven. And I do want to mention that the white raven from the Citadel. Yeah. And also the White Raven, they t Dan and Dave talk about in the DVD commentary that that was one of the most difficult things to find in the whole season because they don't allow the them. In, no, because they allow them because there's a lot of them in Canada, but they don't allow them in Europe. So they needed to. It's a whole bunch of bullshit. It's actually. And then they thought about like spray painting a ra like a regular raven, and then oh, that would have been horrible. And then they decided, and then they end up having to get it flown in. And it's actually a gray one, not a white one. Yeah. So that one scene, why can't you just like recreate that room? I don't. Like, I don't know. They 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 why just like shoot in Canada like yeah, that one scene. It's around a fucking table in a stone room. Like you can recreate that and make it look look good enough just to go just to go to your point joe uh the, the, in the later scene when we get into our dothraki sea that i don't want to talk too much about because jump ahead they're not even in a desert <laughs> that's all cg or when shay's looking at king's landing out her window there's nothing there right so so it can be done it's just they with certain things they wanted to go practical and with the animals they kind of wanted to go the practical route they talk about that with the dire wolf too i'll get into that more when we get to the rob jamie scene later so we get a basically back and forth talking about how uh, it, the winter is coming the citadel said winter's coming and we have enough food to last us for x amount of time and and ultimately, if, if Littlefinger basically says, well, if we run out of food, then uh, we'll have less poor people. <laughs> and uh, and Cersei is just happy as a pig in shit. Cersei, this is Cer fine with it. Yeah. So we'll so we'll last more than five years. OK, we'll even probably cut it before that just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. The city's uh, drowning in refugees, your grace, fleeing, fleeing the There's war. There's plenty of rats to eat, yeah, yeah. and they've done it before in King's Landing. And it could every now and then it could use a clean out. Yep. And she just ends up going, yeah, get the, come on, come on. She, she does the Livia Soprano thing where she's like, Rah, get this raven off the table. I don't, I don't want to hear of such things. And, and she turns to uh, Geno Slint and is like, you command the city watch, don't you? And I do. And, uh, and I owe my titles and lands to your generosity, Cersei. Then do your job. Shut the gates and the peasants. They belong in the fields, not in our capital. So that's Cersei's solution. And then here we go, Joe. Out of nowhere, the very 
first time we hear the song "The Reigns of Casimir," our Tyrion whistling in it. We hear it. We hear it one other time later in this episode, but this is the very first time we hear the song, and it is He's so at home in this. In this, he's like, "Ah, I've finally arrived." And. Uh, uh, Miss Ash has Nats, really these bad, uh, very odd, um oh, talking about something else. Plus, I mean, I'm sure they have a pretty good security for a show popular with such a big budget. She's an actor, and it's looking pretty green out there today. Ah, I like that. It's a good one. So Cersei's just happier than ever. Tyrion begins whistling as Joe was saying. He comes in just like he owns the place. Don't get up. You look more ravishing than ever, big sister. Kisses her. Gives her a little kiss, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's disgusted by it. Horrible. What are you doing here? What are you doing? And it's also worth mentioning, and this has been said a lot. A lot of people know this, but it is worth mentioning that uh, Lena Healy only got cast because Peter Dinklage suggested her to Dan and Dave after he was cast. He, they also lived together during shooting months. They rent out a flat and they lit and they actually live together. They're very, very close friends, which adds a different dimension to the way that they play scenes together. That just makes it even that much more fun that the two of them actually love each other in real life. Because there's just so much fun going on here in this situation. So it's been a remarkable journey. So many, so many, so many amazing things i slept in the sky cell pissed off the edge of the wall as he started drinking wine it's been quite an adventure uh stay yeah stayed in the sky pissed off the edge of the wall stayed in a sky cell ate or ate lived with the fought with the mountain people mm-hmm. with the mountain tribes it's been quite an adventure so she's just basically like, what the fuck are you doing here? So ultimately, he hands a letter to Varys. That's the letter from Tywin saying he's hand to the king. And Varys can't even read the whole thing. He's like, your father has named Lord Tyrion to serve as hand in the king in his stead while he, fi- while he fights. And she just cuts off. Out! Out! All of Everybody you. out now. Get you. Get the fuck out. All her power is removed with that. She's like, oh, my God, get me a cock merchant. That's <laughs> great. So it's time for Tyrion and Cersei honesty here. So he's still, you can tell that through everything, Tyrion and Joe, you might disagree with me as you're prone to do. I think through it all, Tyrion has up to a certain point an affinity for Cersei. Not, not. He's still, according to Tyrion, Tyrion and Jon Snow, in my mind, are exactly alike in this aspect, many aspects. Ah, uh, because you know all all dwarfs are bastards in their father's minds. Yep, crippled, and, broken things. And uh, but he uh, is just as loyal to his family as Jon Snow is to Catelyn for all the shit that they that he's had to, that they've both had to eat. Cersei still his big sister. <laughs> you and, know what I mean? And and that's that's yep. just the way it is. That's the way he was raised. That's the fa- honor of the family. That's. That's it. He can give her shit, and he can treat her like shit right back. But ultimately, he still he loves thinks her. It's, he's still yeah, he, his big sister. He thinks he's playing a little game with her. I think. I think it comes to the point. He doesn't realize just how much the hate. Right. He th- he knows she hates him, but I think, especially in this scene, you, I get the feeling like he really does care about her, and he's he's like, "You messed up, isn't it?" Fun when he has that moment at the end of the he's scene, can- he's candid with her. But he's also snarky with her. And he's trying to relate to her. But he's also her. caring with yeah, her. Yeah, he's trying well to relate to her. her. Like, now you know how it feels to be the to be the 
pissed, the one that father's pissed off at. Huh. Right. It's a funny feeling, isn't it? Like he's trying to comfort her and you make sure he compliments her a couple of times. You care for your kids. It's your only good asset that and your cheekbones. Like he won't just tell her you're a fucking idiot. You totally fucked this up. He does say that, but he makes sure he, he, he gives the reasons for it. He, he doesn't just say you fucked up, you idiot. What the fuck were you thinking? He says, listen, you, your son lopped off Ned's head. You let that happen. You know, uh, a bunch of other bad shit, blah, blah, blah. This and, is because of your mishandling. And he's not wrong about any of it. And it's all directly linked yep. to her. And she up. knows it. And she knows it here, too, I think, which is why oh, yeah. she- it was it was uh, it was. Oh, and we have and at least you didn't fuck up. We have we have two Starks to trade for our brother. And she's like, well, um, one. And she's like. What? And, <laughs> like the look, he rolls his eyes and looks at her like, uh, what is, well, we can't find her. We don't know what happened to her. So let me get this straight. The, we had three hostages. Now one's dead, one's missing, and one's, you know, still, and only one is still left. What the fuck? Yeah, That's, great uh, job. Great job. Yeah. You're really doing a kick-ass job. Uh, Miss Ashes, there's a particular moment on screen where his family ties are cut with her, where she calls for arrest. I think it's when she tries to have someone kill him. Uh, not yes. to jump too far ahead, but when when he and I think that happens later in this season. There's a point where he really he's like, holy shit, she just really is. She really did that. Holy shit, this this is real. Because up to a certain point, I think I think he found especially. I, I just hear the voice of bo- of the audiobook Tyrion in my head, just be, being like, I think he gets off on the fact that she hates him a little bit and thinks it's just their fun game. Yeah, she loves to hate me. He just, he just <laughs> it's just this little balance that they have. I think Tyrion. Well, would, he doesn't. He still thinks of it like it's just big sister bullying shit uh, to a point. At, right. I, right now. Yeah. You know, and it's very close to not being just that. Anymore. I think she would. I think someone said it in the chat a second ago. I think she would jump at a chance to us to, to kill him right away. Like she, she would. She would have for a long time. Then. She would have yeah. killed him as a child. When again, we're jumping ahead, but when she would uh, jumping back, I guess she would have ripped his cock off right there in front of the Red Viper and wouldn't have given a shit. She right. and let him bled out, bled out right there. She she never forgave him for the mother thing, because she because ultimately. He killed her mother, whereas Jamie, even in Jamie's not being the brightest bulb, can ultimately be like, that wasn't Tyrion's fault. He didn't have a choice in the matter. He he didn't. But even even Tywin can't really get there. Like, he still feels, Tywin feels like it's all, all Tyrion's fault. But ultimately, family wins out. Mm-hmm. Very true. So it's time for Tyrion's honesty in his. We kind of basically talked about this. I've done nothing quite quite right. You did nothing when your son called for Ned Stark's head. Now the entire North has risen up against us. I tried to stop it. Did you? You failed. And uh, that bit of theater will cost our family for a generation. And then we got. And I I agree with him. She tried to stop it. Like she should have screamed at the top of her lungs, like stop when that act when when. Joffrey gave that uh, yeah, command. Yeah, she, she just smiles and nods. She just does the, okay, I don't think She's a little is- stunned. She doesn't realize that, that that didn't think that was coming, but this is her mistake. She should have taken that moment right there. She should have stopped Illyn from taking Ned's head and smacked the ever-living <laughs> shit out of him right there in front of the entire fucking court, entire, in front of the entire fucking audience, everybody. If she does that in that moment, she seals 
her power as queen for a long time. She completely demasculates uh, this little fucknut and, and, and seizes all the power for herself. Period. That's it. It's done. She is queen. She is ruler queen. She doesn't do that. She quite literally does as she said. Nothing. So, so okay, so ultimately she did nothing. Disappeared in a puff of smoke. We talked about this before. Uh, where, where is Arya? And once, Joe mentioned this before, too. Once he mentioned something about Jamie, about we can trade for Jamie. Uh, Cersei's like, Jamie? She just gets this look on her face like, oh, Jamie. She doesn't even give a shit about him. She's like, that fucker, he should never have been taken. Let him sit there and rot. So... Uh... Oh my goodness. It's uh you chop off one's head and let another escape. Father will be furious. It must be odd for you to be the disappointing child. Okay, so anything else to talk about uh in this Tyrion and Cersei scene? I love that eye roll is fucking amazing when when she tells him that Ari is missing. He like Okay, Lana says, no, guys. Cersei was screaming and grabbing at Joffrey, saying, No, don't do this. No, don't do this. If, well, she should have been doing. She should have done it to grabbed it. Illin stopped Illin. Yeah, th- that wouldn't have happened. Well, Ladonna, welcome. If Cersei had done that, her head would have been on the block. He told uh, her so. I don't think so. I think she could have. She could have seized power. She, he's still just a little fucking. He might be. Uh, I think you're underestimating. You know, I think but. you're underestimating him, and you're underestimating people's loyalty to the king. I think ultimately in that situation, he had set him in his own crazy way had set that into motion, and no one was stopping Ilan Payne and the uh, Golden Cloaks from doing that in that situation, and not even Cersei. Whatever she did, she was the Cloaks weren't going to listen to her; they were going to listen to Joffrey. At least that's what. At least that's that. That's the counterpoint. At least that's what I would think. But I mean, I hear what you're saying. I think it. I think that wouldn't have been the time to do it. It would have been Joffrey. It would have been ultimately what we see her do later. Where Joffrey, you don't even have to deal with this. You stay home today. I'll go handle this Ned Stark situation, and that would have probably been the best way of handling it. This is beneath you. Don't even show yourself to a traitor. Yada yada. Why don't you kill? Uh, kill. Kill Tommen's cats. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you go have some fun with Tommen's cats? And Miss Ash has no way he's killing his mother. He warned her, do it again. He is the king. Uh, we'll get into that later. And it's also something that's worth mentioning from the books that when she slaps him in this episode, that's show made up. Cersei never slaps Joffrey in the books and never would even come close to disciplining her child in the book. Not even, not even close to doing anything like that. Not even in anger. And he and he scares her at times too. She mentions several times that she doesn't know what her son is capable of. Right, even in the first book, before he really comes out, we, we get the feeling that she has a little bit of fear for for uh, what Joffrey is capable of. So we cut to so to break that scene. Did you guys notice the hound steadied Ned when he first walked up to the stage? Uh, I think again. I think it was all. Pr- Everybody, a few people, select people, knew what was about to happen. And I think probably the Hound, Ilan Payne, and Marin Trent all knew that Ned was about to be dead. And all knew that it was wrong. And all, all knew it was wrong. I think, I think only the Hound is smart enough to understand it, though. I think Ilan Payne doesn't give a shit, and Marin Trent— Ilan Payne doesn't want to lose anything else. He lost his tongue for doing something he shouldn't have done saying something. And like I would that. argue with the Marin Trent's stupid enough to think it's a good idea. He's like, ha, 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 it's a good for me. Good for me. He's not just stupid enough to think it's a good idea. He is uh, 
he's not loyal to anything but you know himself so if he's got to kill someone because the king said so he will do it because he doesn't want to end up like Ilan Payne. Good point. You know so I also think with uh he wants he wants the money, the power, the I think that's what's I think that's what's most important. The money, the power, the power more than the money when it really comes down to it. So we cut to Winterfell. We hear the Winterfell music. A knight sits on his horse holding the banner. We see Winterfell in the background. I'm so amazed. And as we're only tapping into the fraction of this episode so far already, and we're like an hour in, I'm amazed how much is tightly compacted into this season premiere. This is a really good season premiere. So much happens. We touch in on pretty much every character. Hence, uh, Sans uh, Arya, but we do see her at the very end of the episode. But they really, they really are able to get to a lot of places in this episode and deal with a lot of shit. Yeah. So we cut to Winterfell. We see basically this is a scene, and and a, this is a Bran, <laughs> Bran sulking. ruling over sulking because he has to rule over me, uh, rule over council. Well, this is his entire family. His dad's I, dead. I feel like I just want to say one thing before we get into this and and just in for association. This again is a much bigger section of the book and this lasts a lot longer and and Bran is also better at this than he is in this situation. They they show that this situation happens, but this is the culmination of him having w- one emotional reaction when usually he's been very good in this job. Yeah, yes, he has been. He's been able to They they show on the they show on the television program the one time he fucks up. The one time yeah, he kind of master, master a master meister has been uh, guiding him very strongly and they kind of were showing that as well that even though he's been sitting there you know and I think they showed him doing it once last season didn't they <laughs> yes where, where he was all like but my mommy abandoned me mommy did mommy she left she fucking left I just think it's uh, it's interesting that they – it's just a, one of those drama TV things only show something if it's drama-oriented. There's a whole big side story with Bran helping to find this woman a new husband and shit in the books and this whole big, big, th- big, big side story with all this mixed with the Frey kids being there, the two Walter Frey kids and, and Rickon's wolf fucking everything up. It, there's a whole big part of this that kind of just gets – zipped over here yeah. for for Bran to... And we also get wolf dreams in this fucking episode. Wolf fucking dreams! I love seeing the wolf dreams. I miss the wolf dreams. Red! Welcome, buddy. Welcome, Carmine. Yeah, we did, and we did. Shh, don't tell Carmine. We're doing a, we're doing a Game of Thrones review. Shh. <laughs> Shh. Howl, hound. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, somebody I want to scroll up in the chat here. Uh, I really miss Joffrey. I have to say Ramsey's okay, but Joffrey's so fun and unpredictable. Jack Leeson did a great job. He did, and now he's going to retire from acting or some shit? Is that what he, he said? No, he did retire from acting. Uh, it's you got to wonder if he'll come back eventually, but I don't know. But one, he heard the Christian Bale Batman voice once. He's like, I'm, I never want to deal with another actor like Christian. He's like, Christian won't even talk to me. He just stays in character. He's like, I'm Batman on set. I'm like, fuck you, dude. I don't, I don't want to work with that. He's going to end up being a college professor or something like that. Uh, You're going to like go to imagine that going to a class and you have a college professor is Joffrey's your college professor. I'd be worried. I'd be very worried. And he's like that. He's he's pretending. You know, he's got to have a lecture hall, not a classroom. And, you know, he's got to put like an iron throne in there. (laughs) It's his seat behind the desk. (laughs) Uh, Brand loved to crack nuts later gives him away to the trackers. Uh, 
That's very good. Very good point. Miss Ashley, Carmine, yeah, looking forward to your next video. Yeah, Carmine, where's your next video? Man. But, but thank you so much for popping in here and popping in here, everybody. Yes, thank you all. We appreciate it. So anyway, so the transition was bigger. Brand's doing a great job. This was a real loss of emotions. So it's a long queue of people waiting to speak with Brand. The man speaking is addressing Brand and Maester Lowen, who are both sitting at a large table. The walls of my whole fast will not stand in the winter. The stones were blah, 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 blah. He basically gets into this whole thing where he's blaming Rob for everything fucked up that's happening. Because the men are sent off to, to, King, to Rob's war, and Brand's like, dude, King Rob, and it's not his war. He didn't choose it. Joffrey killed my father, your liege lord. Do you remember your vows? Of course I do. Of course, but my castle, my fort is falling down. You've taken all my men. What am I to do? Joffrey, I live in, I live in the sewer pit now. Yes, and I just speak in this stupid accent. We don't even, we don't even have our own language. We just speak in this stupid accent. So do you remember your vows? And ultimately, Lewin says, Lewin kind of chills out Bran and handles the situation himself. The man walks away and he turns to Bran. He goes, we didn't want him to be here all day, did we? And he goes, I didn't like the way he was talking about Rob, nor did I. But listening to people you'd rather not listen to is one of your responsibilities as Lord of Winterfell. So another man walks in, and it's just continuous, continuous. This is very similar to a scene we see with Daenerys later on in the series, where she is sitting there having to deal with this crap over and over and over again, which must be one of the worst parts of leading, just having to sit here. But, but this gets mentioned and explored as well a lot more in, in the books. But in Bran's position and what is going on with his let, it's actually a good job for him. Yeah. Jack Gleason was actually in the same acting school as my sister attends. Pity, angry Game of Thrones fans scared him off because he had a great future ahead of him. And such. Hopefully, it'll be something like certain actors have done this before. They act, then they retire, then they end up coming back later. I could see him hopefully. Well, he's doing the smart thing. He's getting himself an education. Yeah, so. hopefully he'll come back later and play some sick character in a movie someday. He's going to be cashing royalties off of this Game of Thrones shit for a long-ass time. Mm. So... He can actually do, explore and, and figure out what he wants to do. He was a kid when he started. Yeah, he can even hire some hookers and shoot them with a bow and arrow if he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Just if he wants to. So the cam Fun. the camera ends up changing uh, as we see. As we see the camera changes, the scene jumps to the next scene, which is a first-person view. It's a character running through the woods, panting. The character looks up, and we see the red comet above the trees, and then back to the pool in the God's Wood. The character approaching the pool looks down, looks at their reflection, and revealing themselves. <laughs> Who is it, Joe? It's a new character. Summer. No, it's, it's Summer the Direwolf. And he wakes up, and it was uh, a wolf dream. And I smiled, and I wrote big smiley faces in my notes. Wolf dreams. Ah, uh, how I miss them. <laughs> so Dan and Dave got into, in the bits of this scene where we saw all the different people from the north, they wanted to point out, and I just feel like I have to mention it because they pointed it out in the audio commentary, how, how proud of themselves, patting themselves on the back for the costume design. And I agree that, that so many in period pieces, even though this isn't a specific period, but in fantasy pieces, sometimes the clothing can look silly or all whitewashed together they said that they worked painstakingly with all the different people from the north and different different things to make sure that the costumes did not look ridiculous on game of thrones they say that they, that's they what, don't, and they, don't. Um, they don't show and that's and that's what they were saying was 
it's one of those things you don't think about, but it's at sort of like a base level that it just makes you be more accepting of the stuff that you're watching on screen if you accept the costumes for a real rather than going, that's just fucking ridiculous what they're wearing. Yeah. Watch Black Sails and all those pirates have like nice shiny white teeth. What? <laughs> like you can understand the Lords of Winterfell having good teeth, but all the peasants in Game of Thrones pretty much don't have good teeth. And nice. <laughs> welcome Vaughn. Welcome Amanda. Welcome guys. Welcome to our welcome to our stream of Game of Thrones episode two episode season two episode one. Okay, so then we go to Bran's bedroom and we see him laying in his bed. His eyes suddenly open. So cute, Bran's so cute. So we get to the woods later that day and we see Hodor walking with Bran on his back, closely followed by Osha, and uh, she squats next to some plants. Hodor. Continues walking, and they talk about in the commentary how Bran was basically six feet tall by the end of the season, and they created that whole cart for him to be pulled in just because they didn't want to pay uh, pay Hodor's uh, medical bills for breaking his back. Right. Because they were hurting. Apulia, welcome. Hi. And as Ren pointed out with the costume shit, like bastard executioner, hundred yeah, percent. Right. Oh my god. And uh, Ellie Giggle says, Black Sails is very good. I haven't seen it, so I can't judge it's it yet. Not, it's, I, I dig the stories and all, but I uh, there's some things I'm just like, oh, my goodness. But, no, I enjoy the series. I've watched it all. I watch it week to week when it's out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. King of the North, damn young me, was so hopeful. Feels bad, man. Yeah, it does. It really does. And, it, and I think it's so much of what they were setting up here and what George is setting up in the story, too, of making you just really get behind Rob and, and it just everything that's happening. And I just can't see Rob. I think our story is basically going to end with Rob sitting on the Iron Throne. That's what I think at this point. Oh, yeah, he's going to march all the way down to King's Landing. Yep, I really do think that's going to happen now. Okay, so she basically gives him a tea to make all his pain go away. And they point at the – they head towards the Godswood and she pushes him about his dreams and he says i don't dream everyone dreams i don't heard some of the men talking about the comet they look up the comet they discuss the comet and bran says what he thinks the comet is about uh that he means that he said that maybe rob's gonna win a big battle it's red it might mean that the lannisters will win win a big battle and osha says it can only mean one thing dragons Fucking dragons. But Bran says the dragons are all dead. They've been dead for centuries. Not anymore. As we cut immediately. And this is what I'm saying where this episode, and so much of the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, there's just not a wasted moment, and every scene goes into every scene perfectly. And I'm not going to say later seasons that's not the case, but we're only concentrating on right now. It's now, now. And right now, I can only focus on this episode. And this was this was such a – this was one of my favorite one of my favorite premieres that they had. I don't, I don't, I might even like it better than Winter is Coming than the premiere of the, of the entire series, which is a really great episode. They just touch upon so many awesome things and set up the scene for this season so, so ridiculously well. I, I really love this episode. Yeah, it was good. It so, is good. So uh, let's, let's jump in the chat for a second. If they want to stay historically accurate, we should also see more plague, vomiting, diarrhea everywhere. But no, keep the tits in porn. Not that I mind, but not at the expense of the goddamn plot. Well, this isn't exactly Earth either. So. That, and that's the fine line. When, when it, is it Earth? I mean, I know it's not Earth, but 
where is that line, Joe? Where is that line? Could be like Earth before time, Earth after time. That would be saying that, that Joe, you can't have X problem that you have with The Walking Dead because zombies don't really exist. So these aren't real people. They're in an alternate universe where zombies do exist, where people are dumber. People are dumber in that universe, Joe. So it's okay. You make my brain hurt. It's I'm sorry. Much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring up that. Bring up that. We need the. We need the ten week break before we can get back to talking about that shit. So, okay. Oh God, you guys in the chat are cracking me up too. Thank you as always for everyone that's joining us in the discussion of this Game of Thrones episode. And if you're watching this later, please in the comment section below share your thoughts of this episode of Game of Thrones. Okay. So, so what I think what I think I'll do concerning that other thing is before February. Rewatch season four and pretend that they're just getting to town now. <laughs> good, good question. Good, good. Po- I mean, good, good thing. Oh, Earth is in George Martin's mind. Doesn't it have a name? It, someone. I thought I heard someone say he actually named the world. The planet actually does have a name that it's called. Someone in the chat might be able to uh, to to clue me in on that. I need Jamie's dragon schlong. Says Kaylana. <laughs> Kaylana, I toast you to that. It's kicking in Jamie on YouTube. Has a lion schlong, not a dragon schlong. Uh, good point, Joe. Good point. His giant lion's tail. Daenerys is the only dragon schlong. So speaking of the big giant dragon schlong, we transition to Daenerys. And Daenerys, obviously, people that are familiar with the book stuff, Daenerys has far fewer chapters in the second book as she does in the first book, which is why some could argue that the Daenerys story in season two is a little, feels a little stretched because she is she's a star of the show. People are naming their kids Khaleesi, yada, yada, yada. So they need to make sure she's in almost every fucking episode. So they so we need to stretch her story as far as we possibly can. But. I digress. And also, it's worth mentioning that this isn't a desert. They're not actually working through a desert. This is all CG crap. Starting in season three, they're actually shooting in desert area. But this is all fakeness. So that is worth mentioning as well. So the camera pans up to reveal Daenerys with Drogo. Uh, Drogon on her shoulder and her calisar. Daenerys attempts to feed uh, Drogon some meat, but he, refu- he refuses. Yes. And her one of her servant people says, "What did your brother say about them, Khaleesi?" Daenerys he says, "Shit about dragons." But that's bullshit. He he. You could say a lot of fucking things about Viserys. He did know about the history of. He did know the book information about dragons. He's ultimately again in the in the books. I'm sorry to be this person, but he teaches her about the whole thing about cooking the food first it's ultimately because of the lessons that he taught her about the bullshit it just gets it's easy to just whitewash the series as an idiot but he wasn't he wasn't completely unknowledgeable about the subject of dragons and about targaryen history he did have his own perspective about it but he was a lot more educated about this stuff than daenerys was and she uses a lot of his information and then says he was a fucking idiot but i'm gonna do what he told me anyway so I just want to defend the series for a fucking second here. Bill, welcome, buddy. Welcome. <laughs> Danny Khaleesi Hitler and the Knights King. Perfect combo. No blood. <laughs> just bow immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love the. Ch- I love I love our friends. I love our listeners and friends. OK, so Daenerys said he, he said they eat meat. He didn't say what kind of meat. My brother didn't know anything about dragons. He didn't know anything about anything. He did know he knew. But he did know a lot about dragons. I'm sorry. I, he, was, he basically is one of those kids that becomes obsessed because he calls himself the dragon. I, 
I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm giving him he too much credit. He gets obsessed with what, not necessarily like how to rear a dragon, but what <laughs> they did to conquer the land. Bill says he was a learned idiot. And Miss Ash says, yes, Viserys was actually the sane one, an idiot, but a sane idiot. The series had delusions of grandeur, but he wasn't. He didn't have a. Uh, he didn't have a fundamental lack of knowledge about Targaryen and dragons' history. He actually was still connected enough to his family lineage and not, and had part of his life in the Targaryen pipeline and learned about dragons. Whereas Daenerys didn't get to deal with that at all and was immediately ca- cast away as a baby, or was the Targaryen stuff was taken away when she was. You know, still, still in diapers. Viserys was a fun, in my in my opinion, cl- a clown who uh, gets no respect. Uh, Viserys was well read, but but not people smart. Viserys was a beggar king, and he knew he was thrown out. Without him, Danny might not have lived. He sold her her his last targ value, and it killed him. Yep. Absolutely, in in a lot of ways, he did. Everyone looks at you can look at him as a villain and. XYZ, but he did save their save Daenerys's life and save both their lives by by connecting with Khal Drogo. If he had just been smart enough to stay at Ilario's palace while until Drogo was ready, I think Drogo eventually would have lived up to his promise and sailed over with him. Yep. I think it was about him being a little bitch and like, are we there yet, Papa Smurf? Are we there yet, Papa Smurf? It was all that shit that got Brainy Smurf thrown off the fucking mountain. Okay, so let's continue. She was uh, so they they end up keep walking. Then Daenerys's uh, horse ends up falling dead, and it was Drogo's first gift to me. And yep. it's also worth mentioning that you? the horse does not die in the books. So Jorah remembers I promised to protect them and make all their enemies scream about all of her people. But how do I make starvation scream? And Jorah's like a trick I never learned. Does it ever end? Uh, yeah. I mean, everything ends, Khaleesi. <laughs> or food. <Yeah. laughs> One way or the other. Yeah. Uh, he deserves a golden crown. Wink, wink. <laughs> yes, he does. The real issue is why Ilario took them in that last year, one year after years of begging. I think because ultimately whatever him and Varys' plan was starting to be put into action, so he needed to have more control over where where the two of them went and the Kalisar was probably the next step of their plan to get Carl Drogo on their side for foot soldiers to storm the castles. Who knows? It'll be interesting. That's one of those few things because we never get any Viserys uh, uh, perspective chapters. It's hard to think about exactly what their plan is, what his and Ilario's plan is. Do, 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 do. The way you make starvation end is to kill everybody, <laughs> says Lita. <laughs> that works yeah that certainly works so jor says if we go south to the land of the lazarine the lamb men will kill you and take your dragons if we go west to the dothraki sea the Kalisar will meet us and take your dragons no one will take my dragons joe so they're right here this is lazarine right here uh where was it do that so. shit, joe do that shit yeah there it is lazarine's right there and the Dothraki Sea is right here. So they must be somewhere right about here. Right in the middle of uh, this red... The red waste. The red waste. The yeah. waste of red. So they're down here. I don't know. His uh, They don't know exactly where they are. So he's just... His best approximation is there. He thinks they're somewhere up here. 
but they're actually somewhere over here. We've got a. Oh, we, oh you're not even on there. They they think they're. Uh, he thinks they're somewhere here, but they're actually somewhere right here right now. Interesting. And everybody else is. God, I love geo- God, I love Westerosian geography with Joe. Uh, we have we have a voicemail. Let's play the voicemail. Hey man, it's, well, I don't know if you remember, but in the first season, the series names all those dragons of that whore that he gets for Daenerys to teach you, you know, how to have sex. Yeah, with he was the whore in the book, and he says wait, wait, second, candy. Sure. His father gave him a candy when he named all of them. Right, I mean, and it's, I'm just fair to say, Joe, I know what you're going to say, that he knows all the names, but because of that, you also learn, it's just like with anything, you learn, what do dragons eat? What do dragons eat, Viserys? Dragons eat cooked meat. Dragons eat, it's like a little rhyme that you, I'm making that up. What do dragons eat? Dragons eat cooked meat. It's something every Targaryen child's taught, Joe. It's a nursery rhyme. I'm just saying he probably knows the information because I assume that stuff that's just they don't go to school to learn anything but dragons. It's like, what do you learn in school? I learned dragons. What did you eat for breakfast? I learned dragons. They have comic books about dragons. I'm just saying any Targaryen growing up in it, regardless of their level of intelligence, is probably going to know all the details that Daenerys doesn't know about dragons. I guess that's the only, that's the only point. I'm not saying he's particularly intelligent or helpful or anything like that. I just think he has the foundation that she doesn't have because he grew up in the he grew up in that house with there for a while. Uh, Ellie Giggle says the map is so helpful. That's what makes me subscribe back in the day. I love it when Joe breaks up the map. People love when you break out the map, Joe. The map. He used to hang it up, but then it fell down too many times no, in the no, pocket. No, it, it still hangs on the wall. I just I had to move my desk to a different area for the new TV. And I think sometime in the next couple of months, at the beginning of the year, Joe, Joe and the crow will be moving into a new studio. So they'll have a somewhat of a different setup coming up soon as well. So uh, so Daenerys says, no one will take my dragons. Wanna bet. George says, uh, they're too weak to, your people are too weak to fight, and so are you. And uh, basically, they just look around and uh, they need to find cities. Cities, living or dead, caravans of people, rivers or lakes, great salt sea. We need to find find how far the red waste extends before us, what lies on the other side. Now, Daenerys talks to, she's speaking to one of her blood riders and she's saying, you're my last hope. You need to ride off and see what's in the distance. See where we can go to get some sort of refuge because we're fucked here. And uh, Daenerys looks up at the red comet. And she kind of gets a troubled look because she doesn't want all these people that followed her to end up dead. And that's the end of that's the end of that. Anything else you want to say about Daenerys, Joe? Well, she sends one off in each direction. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Something to that effect. I got to admit, I, I if I'm yada yadding anything in this episode, I yada yada the Daenerys stuff and some of the and Daenerys. To tell you the truth, I uh, I hated all the Daenerys stuff in season one. It was my least favorite part of the season. See, I liked her stuff in so season one. So when you ask me what's my favorite episode, what's my worst favorite episode, I can name it like this. My worst favorite episode is the Daenerys stuff. Is it that way in the books as well, just out of curiosity? Uh, it was definitely that way in the books. It was actually in the books because it, in the books it just seemed like he really got her, he really got like her wandering and like just like – 
fucking the droll of her life down because I felt like, oh my god. Yeah. And same thing with Sansa. Like I didn't I, I wanted to skip those chapters because I knew basically it was just gonna be more too like much happy the same. kick too much happy cake. And Sansa st- stared at the lemon cakes on the table. Usually Sansa likes lemon cakes. Lemon cakes shined in the glistening light as she grabbed the lemon cake and put it in her mouth and tasted the crusty outer shell of the lemon cake getting down her throat and realized that she needs something to wash it down with. And she washed down her desires of yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a talent George has that is a way of spelling stuff out to nauseam and really getting you in the mind of these people to the sense of like but, the list of food in a fucking feast that he has. Oh, my ridiculous. God. It's fucking amazing shit. Oh, gosh. Everyone is going crazy about the map, Joe. The map is so important. I'm glad you use it. Show watchers might ha- might not know where the action is. Studio, clean, huge bathroom, says Kaylana. So I'll let, you, I'll let you all see it one more time here. So we got... Put it in front of you, Joe. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Let me stand up behind you. And stand up. Yeah, there you go. Wait, wait. No, yeah, wait, wait. Joe is, just for all the people in the audio cast, Joe is standing up. He has the map. So He's touching it. They're right about here somewhere. He's sticking his finger on the map. And I think... Uh, our bear thinks we're right about here somewhere. And then everybody else is way over on that island on the other side of the map. So now, she's like a great distance away. There is, She is not close to anybody or anything else in the story. And Joe, all. I just want to take you to task for the chat room uh, in, in behest of the chat room or some of the people because I agree with them. I actually really like the Danny stuff in season one and I like the fa- finale with her in season one. I like watching her get played and I like she's, the, she's I like the big dragon her. thing and re- I like the big dragon reveal. I think it's pretty intense and, it, and the first time I saw it was not expecting it so I was really like holy shit by it. Uh, some of the stuff in two and three I'm a little eh, by her but I don't start this is the beginning of my Oh, da- Daenerys eye rolling. For the most part, I I like the end of her arc in season one. I like See, her but, getting. And that's the thing. Getting to it really sucked. It wasn't until Viserys got the crown that her story started to get good, and then immediately, almost, it started sucking again with this scene right here. And uh, <clears throat> and no, that's and that's just how I felt. Like, no, I fair, felt no, like, no, fair enough. And, 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 and exactly like you felt. Like it, it started getting really interesting. And and what the fuck? She burned herself alive, and now she has dragons. What the fuck? And and yeah, of course you didn't save her, you stupid blonde. She was raped up like four times, along with everybody she fucking knows before you came along and saved her. <laughs> Duh, you fuck. <laughs> like her story was, and then boom. To me, it was like eh, ah. And then now we're wandering through the desert with the lost tribe of the fucking Jews here. Forty years and forty nights. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, Joe. I, I like forty se- years and forty nights. I like season. I like season four. Da- Bill says I like season four Danny Moore. I like Danny Moore when she starts getting Mad Kingy ish. So, but we'll, we'll get into that much, much later. So right, and and both both the stories of Sansa and her and Danny become much more interesting the further down it gets. But as far as 
this point, that's where I that's where I am. Yeah, we're at the peak of the dullness of her story right now. So we cut to someone that's never dull. We cut to the Night's Watchmen, and this is the fa- this is the start of Night's Watchmen's Night's Watchmen. Night wa- I'm thinking about Watchmen because I just saw it. Night's Watch stuff starting to get really interesting with Sam Graham. We finally meet Ed in this scene too, and we're heading up to the happiest place in all of Westeros. Craster's Keep. Is there a happier place in all of Westeros than Craster's Keep, Joe? I don't think so. Uh, I guess there is. The twins. <laughs> oh, very true. You got me there. <laughs> Lawyered. They might be on par with each other. You, you frayed me there. Don't you think, like, Craster and Wal- Waterfrey are, like, blood, br- you know, lost souls, two lost souls missing in a vacation at, you want, How about your vacation at the Dreadfort? <laughs> no, I think they're different kind. I think that's a different kind of crazy. I think. <laughs> yeah, you think. Yeah, I think it's a different kind of crazy. I think. I think even 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 the Boltons would be like those people are icky. <laughs> you know, you see when Roos is dealing with later on when Roos is dealing with with uh, Frey, it's a little. Uh, I don't want to be around this guy. He's a little icky. <laughs> But yes, everybody, even the Boltons look down on the phrase. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like Craster and him would be like old buddies. Like they'd be they'd be the old guys in the Muppets Muppets thing sitting in the audience. What what you don't realize is uh, is Craster is Frey's youngest brother. Yeah, exactly. He's the castaway Frey <laughs> that, that got sent sent uh, way past the wall. I But I would literally pay to just sit, the, have the two of them in the audience somewhere shitting on something, like doing some Mystery Science Theater 3000 stuff with the two of them, with Craster and, and Lord Frey. It would be it would be hilarious. Be the, the guys in the balcony, the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They'd be the Muppets guy. They're Waldorf and uh, well, I forget the other dudes. In. Mortimer. No, you're thinking of, you're thinking of the forty. No, the uh, the not the forty eight hours. The uh, trading places guys. <laughs> I bet you a dollar, Joe. That, that's them. That's them right there. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's a nice axe. I'll bet you. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Craster has a lot of his hundredth child that. That's Gilly Child as a VIP. I don't see. I don't know. They seem like a pretty tight family unit. All the wives are like sisters. <laughs> Ren says. <"We're- laughs> Oh shit! All right, Good job, Miss Ash. Miss Ash. Ash, you win the internet tonight. Ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know. It's a telephone call. Welcome to the show, my friend. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, uh, check it out. I got a question. Um, well, Who, who's asking this question? Yeah, well, we, I have to. I have to got crashers. Crashers have one hundred children, right? How long has he been doing this shit? I don't know. I, he, well, the, the, you, you know, here's uh, the thing. hundred children, dude. You're talking a lot of pregnancies, but I know he's got a lot of wives and shit. Yeah. So that still take like, a while. You, you have one, and then in thirteen years or so, you can have another. Well. That one can put out 13 while the first one is becoming of age to, you know, start putting out their 13. And yeah, but I think the question is multiplying pretty quick. I think the question is, though, he has to be doing it pretty. Oh, I guess I guess what you're saying. Yeah, because it's like, like you have to knock him up and then right after they give birth, just do it. Fuck him again and knock him up. Right, but, yeah, but that's Irish what twins. good good point. Twins. Good, good question. Doing that shit long time, you know. Great question. Great call. And I think that's the I think what you're saying is right, Joe. I didn't catch what you were saying at first, but ultimately the more kids he has, the more that can get pregnant all at the same time. So it, it perpetuates itself quicker. The more the more daughters you have, the more once they come of age, then you get them pregnant. And next thing you know, it's like when you're copying and pasting something, you type something out, you copy three, and then you print out the six, then you copy the six, and then you just start pasting eventually it's easy to get to the, the crafters copying and pasting his daughters here 
<laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so we get Sam and John and Gren and, and all that <laughs> shit. Welcome to the Issues Program, Bill Sotherby. Yes. <laughs> we are examining the logistics of escape. We're going there? All right. Yeah. Yeah, on Game of Thrones. Wait, is this a Game of Thrones podcast, guys? What's going on? It's not a, it's not a Game of Thrones podcast if there's not incest talk. It's very, <laughs> good, very good point. Very good point. Hundreds a lot. <laughs> Someone says yes. That's <laughs> a good amount of kids. That's that's yeah. I think I think that's pretty good. Okay, so Ed kind of gives us our description, but we basically just did it. He marries his daughters, then he gives them more daughters, and it just goes on like that. Sam's like, "That's foul." Grin's like, "It's beyond foul." It's like all the other wildlings for hundreds of leagues have disappeared. Craster is still here. He must be doing something right. Joe, do you want to do a map thing to show? Because the question is, as we get into this Craster shit. Why the fuck would they deal with this Craster? Why would they deal with him? What's the point? Craster is way up in the north, past the wall, which is right here. Um, and everybody else is way the fuck down here. Winterfell's right about there. So basically, he is the only port in the storm, ultimately. It, it, well, it's not just that he's the only port in the storm. There were a lot of there's a lot of people living north of the wall. There's tribes, there's giants, there's you know lots of shit north of the wall. They've just all migrated somewhere at the moment. He's the only person that's stuck around. He knows something that nobody else knows, or he's doing something that nobody else has done or is doing. And that's aside from the you know the rape of his daughters and perpetuating more wives and killing his sons. But, There's something more than that going on. But obviously. what does he do with his sons? I don't know. It will be a cold day in hell when we find out what he does with his sons. I don't know. I can... what, what I don't understand is, so you get, get some information from this guy, but it, you've been doing that for a long time. I don't understand the bear's position here. The bear should, like, this guy's a fucking wildling. All the wildlings are fucking bad except for this one who's raping and perpetuating like these wives because he occasionally gives up information and shelters a a uh, That's why I'm saying I think it's all this motherfucking dirty bastard. I, I see that's why I don't know and I'm a little ignorant to the to to it right now when I'm trying to think about it I'm kind of blanking on it. I think ultimately he may be the only like, if they didn't have Craster, they would really have no place to camp out in the middle between where they're heading and right outside the wall. Like, he's basically the only place that they can stay. So Mormont feels obligated to his men that it's the only way all of his men aren't going to die. They need to no, stay at Craster. But at this point, at this point right now, you know that there's some heavy shit going on. Right. I mean, we know, we know this is where let's, let's, let's push pause here for a second. And Zach Morris, this jump in the future. If you haven't, well, you don't even need to do that, but I want to, I want to Joe at the fire right now, but I want, but I want to get specific here. Ultimately, we know that Craster has some. Here we go, guys. If you haven't watched Game of Thrones season five, you fast forward. Or the rest of this season. Or the rest of this season. Fast forward a big time here. Okay. So Craster has a deal with the Night's King. Right, he has some sort of deal with the with the with the other with the others with whatever the fuck to give his sons. Like, is this a deal he made? So he or can is, act like or a, is forced into or forced into. Is that part of the reason why he's acting like a dick? Because he's like, "All oh, you are dead people." Because I know eventually winter's coming and these people are coming for you. I well, mean, and that's that's part of it. And here's here's the thing: Mormon is trying to get as much information as he can from Craster. But ultimately, and it's my belief. He's a godly by, like, man. Everything that we're seeing and know about this man, 
ultimately he must die and there's no reason to keep him alive past that conversation you have at the fire. Fair. You should be burying a sword through this guy's face as soon as this conversation, the axe that he wants so bad that, that you, you're like hand over, he should have buried it in his skull right then and there. You don't threaten my fucking men. You're actually useless at this point. You've given us all the information you're going to give us, and now you're only going to extort us for our, our goods and supplies that we need. We're going to free your fucking wives because you've been raping and fucking slaughtering them. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but they're not going to like start stabbing my men. And ultimately, ultimately... Do you know who thinks exactly like you, Joe? You know who you're right on point with? You're right on point with John fucking Snow, who's not dealing with any of this bullshit. I don't think I don't judging by what they how they feel about wildlings. I don't think this is a your rangers are rangers for a fucking reason. If they need some place to camp out, they're not good rangers. Make them better fucking rangers. And uh, the chat's going crazy right now with theories about all of this, uh, about what's going on. Night's Watch already accepts rapers and murderers. Dealing with the daughter rapers may not be a big stretch, says Critch. Ren says the Night King sowed uh, the seeds with their own destruction, letting Craster live. Uh, Miss Ash says, well, if the old gods are the trees and the three-eyed crow and the children, maybe they're in league with the White Walkers. We're assuming they're opposite forces. And it's it's just interest, it's interesting to think. And uh, someone pointed it out above there when Craster's going, I'm a godly man i'm a godly man he never specifies what god is the god that he he serves the great other is he talking about the uh the what the white walker god i mean what is he making reference to when he's like i'm a godly man i'm a fucking godly man but john snow isn't dealing with any of this shit john snow is acting like a because he doesn't like john john's too pretty we also find out mormon asks him about benjamin stark he hasn't seen benjamin stark in a lot of ways long time and i just love how uh how craster just is in in uh, his face are you jealous old man to see me with all my young wives and no one's to warm your bed we also gilly gets her first line in all of this this is our place our husband keeps us safe Better to live free than to die a slave. That's Gilly's line. I, I don't think she realizes she's not free. <laughs> like, don't, doesn't she? Re- she kind of realizes it. She's like, to live as a slave here is better than to live as a slave there. So I'll die here as a slave instead of die there as a live there as a slave. <laughs> the bottom All line, right, Gilly, you're fucked up. LaDonna says the bottom line from George R. R. Martin is, "Don't bend your knee to anything. Stop believing in fairy tales, motherfuckers." And it's I just love this scene. I love how shitty he is to John. I love how shitty John is to Craster the whole time. John's just like not dealing with any of this shit right now. John's like giving him this like douchebag look. Like you are the biggest douchebag in the world. And Craster's like, Snow, huh? Listen to me, bastard. All you lot from the south of the wall or something. That's where it is, because uh he makes reference to the, these people calling them southerners, and John doesn't like that he re- he's referred to as a southerner. John, that's John's very offended by that. Right, because his entire life they've always considered themselves northerners because of the kingdom that they live in, they're in the north. And uh, to answer your question, Maldo, man, we started recapping season four and we went all the way through. So we're going back. Game of Thrones is the type of show we want to talk about every single episode of it. So we're in the process of going back and pretending that uh, we're traveling in the time machine and that uh, anything to make April come quicker. So that is to, to answer your question, that is why. And thank you, Tom. Tom's like, why not? Why not do it? Thanks, Tom. Moves to work. Thank you, Tom. Uh, So Ducrox says, Craster uh, would bullshit his daughters so they wouldn't want to leave. He told them uh, things like, if they even look at the wall, they'll die. Absolutely. So uh, ultimately, Craster... Craster just has such an attitude with them and such 
and just keeps just giving the Night's Watch so much shit. It's so entertaining. I, again, we, we talked about this a lot earlier with Craster and, and Walter Frey. He, great cat. And see, I understand Walter Frey has a lot more power than Craster. Craster yeah. has nothing behind him aside from the hope that uh, they won't train their rangers better, so they need me to let them crash here every now and then. Like, that's that's his power, really? Like, come on. That's ridiculous. This guy means nothing. They they have no qualms <laughs> killing any other fucking wildlings at any other fucking time. And, oh, he's done our, our rangers, you know, a solid in cold time. Well, fuck that. This dude, this dude got to go. He's he's bad news. <laughs> he's got to go. I love how you say that. Got to go. Oh, welcome, Sammy. I'm sorry if I've missed you. Oh, no, it was only five minutes ago. So Sammy is still in the chat wing chat room. Playtime is over. Boo. We'll rewatch the show later. Take care, everybody. I can see if anyone responds to the chat because you know YouTube. But I love this show. I love this channel. And I love the chat. Peace out from Korea. This is Amanda, by the way. I accidentally used the wrong Facebook account. Oh, well. So thank you, Amanda. Have a good night. I know it's like ridiculous o'clock over there in Korea. So thank you so much for checking in and hi, whenever you're watching this. So, oh gosh, again, the chat, you guys are so fucking funny tonight. You guys are so, you guys are so on in the chat tonight talking about this episode. Okay. So we, so ultimately all the wet nights watchmen guys leave Craster's place because Craster's offers them some food and, and Mormon's like, no, we got food. We just need a place to stay. Okay. We need a roof. The roof is yours. So Craster comes out and Craster, okay. And uh, this, Dan and Dave mentioned this in the DVD commentary, that the place that they shot here, Craster's Keep, real, was very authentic. Like, the whole place smelled like pig shit the whole time. Like, it really stunk. So it's worth mentioning that. So, yep. so this, this scene I titled, Dude, Shut the Fuck Up, Jon Snow. So Mormon just grabs him and he picks him. You don't realize how big this actor is. And I don't know his name offhand, but the actor, he was also in Braveheart as well. He's just a huge fucking guy. And he just picks up Jon Snow, puts him up against the wall and he goes, does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch to you? Then why are you treating him like a bitch, Jon Snow? No, who am I? What, what is my name? What do I look like to you? Uh, Lord Commander, and who are you? John Snow. No, not your fucking name. Who are you? Um, a steward. You want to lead one day? Then learn how to follow. And that's something very important to mention about John Snow. He's, he's very headstrong. He's, he, he is a bastard. He's dealt with some horrible shit. But he also, Tyrion calls him out on this in their, in their talk. It's, it's hard to think that or one point in their discussions, then when Tyrion basically says, yeah, you're a bastard, you had to deal with a lot of shit, but you also grew up, or someone, I forget who calls him on this, is it Tyrion? But you also grew up in a, in a, in a place where someone training you, you had a lord father that actually was in your life. A lot of bastards don't live like that and don't get the opportunities that you got. So Jon Snow does have a little bit of an entitlement issue even though he's dealt with the horrible side of life as well. He, he's, he's a perfect balance of a uh, conundrum going on there. A, a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so, uh, so, okay, so anything else to talk about in the Jon Snow, Mormont, Craster stuff, Joe? Do you have anything else in that? Did they kill him? Craster? Yeah, they should have killed him. Did I say that? <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's all that the scene boiled down to for me. It was like, why is this guy like, come on, like, this is, it's, it seemed very ridiculous to me that 
that like, yeah, okay, I understand your point, Mormon. Shut the fuck up, Jon Snow. You know nothing. You know, be a steward and shut the fuck up and listen and learn how to follow before you open your mouth. But still, when that conversation is over, you put a knife in fucking Craster's face. There's no need to keep him alive. Oh, come on, Joe. Leaving tomorrow, and if you if you kill him. You know that there's no wildlings around to like take over this camp, so Joe, it'll be there when you get back. In fairness, come on, give the people what they you mean a knife to the back of the head, don't you? No, not to the front an of the head. Axe no, it's an axe to the front of the face. Okay, fair enough. This is not this is not that universe. Okay, good. good there's right. new new rules. New rules. New rules. New <laughs> these rules. zombies live by new <laughs> these zombies have much different rules. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Much different rules. Okay, so Let's get to the one true king here. So we cut to what initially was Stannis. (laughs) Stannis, here we go. So what? What we cut to what initially was supposed to be the opening of the episode, and they shifted stuff around. And this is our introduction to Stannis. It's our introduction to Melisandre. It's our introduction to Davos. But we saw Dragonstone in the opening credits. Yes, we did. (laughs) Which is. Which, again, was one of the added things. Okay. It's arrow to the knees, says Marcus Caesar. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, LaDonna Louise says, uh, that scene is there because there must be another craster to replace him, mirroring replacing Bloodraven with Bran. I think, uh, and then we got the Benjen uh, Benjen stuff, the uh, Benjen Coldhand stuff going on in the chat right now as well. Okay. So the North fucking remembers. Welcome, uh, John Riley, I was about to call you by uh, one of your many aliases. Okay, so we cut to Dragonstone, and it's the beach, originally the opening of the episode, our prologue for the second book. The camera pans down from the red comet to Master Crescent holding a torch and running. Melisandre's heard there, and Melisandre is an actress that very easily could have been Roz. They, they wanted to cast her in the first season, just wanted to work with the actress, and... And they knew that they wanted to work with her and knew they wanted to cast her, but they didn't feel like they had the right part for her. And so they I don't think Melisandre would have been the right part for Rod. No, I think she's I think she's perfect for Melisandre. I think she plays that cocky I, I whatever vibe she has, whatever the Melisandre vibe is, she does she does it very well. She does it very well. And probably more than any other actress on the show of the bigger actresses as time goes on, is the least does not give a shit about ripping off the clothes as no shame no fucking shame we've seen her yeah she's 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 like taking off her clothes and saying fuck you emil clark look at this 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 scene should have uh i i believe that this uh ritual should have involved titties (laughs) you live in it would have felt more authentic to me more realistic Yes. Oh my God, no. And they and what I heard in the discussions was them saying that we wanted to cast her in the first season, but we didn't feel like we had a good part for her. We considered making her one of the prostitutes, but that didn't seem right. It's they kind of just was talking like they they had her in in season one, reading for a couple of parts. She wasn't right for any of the parts they were having her read, but they knew they were going to cast her eventually. It was one of those things. So. We continue, and Melisandre can be heard speaking in the distance. Lord of Light, come to us in the darkness. We offer you these false gods. Uh, okay. Well, if they, you know what? I, uh, I want to revise my statement. Yeah, this, this should have been the opening scene. This was how the book opens. Yeah, I mean. But it would have been. People already don't know who the fuck anybody is. I remember when, the, when, when these actually did first air. 
no kidding aside, like when talking about it at work, people are like, and who's this and who's that? And, and, and I, I, I don't I don't understand. Like, and it, it was kind of like, uh, well, if they had introduced this character right off the bat in that, in that particular scene, people would have been really fucking confused. I, I agree. I agree. And I mean, as much as I agree with you, because I think that first prologue with Crescent is re- Crescent is really interesting stuff in the book and getting into his mind and seeing, you know, learning about Dragonstone through that perspective, I think is yep. really interesting. I think you couldn't have done that on the show. Uh, you couldn't have done it that way. And I think just starting on the beach like that wouldn't have been as effective. So I appreciate what they, I, I can understand why they did what they did because you need to just keep the consistency from season to season. But I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, Joe. Uh, well, you're coming back. You're coming back eight months later. People may like even coming back. People would be like, who's this blonde girl again? Oh yeah. 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 That's the dragon queen lady. Like, they know immediately because the dragon's on their shoulder. Right. I like, think they should have. I mean, you could even argue that if they were going to do that. I mean, I, I like the way this, the episode started off and you started with Joffrey just to get a in, right inside Joffrey's mind, considering how important and how big of a factor Joffrey is in the show from this point on and his, his personality and his agenda. You just get right in there. So, And you need to see a Stark. You see Sansa. You go right in on a Stark's perspective and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so uh, so the group in unison for the night is dark and full of terrors. The night is dark and full of terrors. So she, uh, are you serious? The night is dark. I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> can can I have a nightlight, mommy? Okay, I need a nightlight, put your mommy. tooth under your pillow, Joe. He'll give you money in the morning. So oh Davos will. Da- oh, I'm so scared. Please, can you light a fire? So the cold breath of the winter will freeze the seas. Uh, Davos looks to Stannis. Not now. Melisandre says, "In the dead shall rise in the north." Crescent walks up to try to interrupt Melisandre, uh, and after a long silence, Melisandre approaches Crescent and caresses his face. You smell of fear, fear and piss and old bones. Ultimately, I almost want to yada yada this a little bit because we get far down. She talks about in ancient books it is written that a warrior will draw a burning sword from the fire and that sword shall be Lightbringer. Stannis Baratheon, warrior of light, your sword awaits you. Stannis approaches one of the burning effigies. As everyone else looks on, he pulls the sword out of the base and he carries it high with applause. When he sticks in the stand, the crowd kneels. And But here's the thing. And Stannis then just, like, jams it in the fucking ground and chugs off, then stops, grabs his wife, and continues walking. He, like, ba- he basically ignores his, He kind of ignores his wife, to be honest. He starts to ignore and then, like, stops and, like, oh, yeah, I got to get... And he he sees it as a con. We have a, a scene from last season where uh, I think Ned and Robert are talking about some some other lord who at tournaments would light a sword on fire like that to go do go do the tournaments like he was light bringer from the old fables and the stories or whatever so it's very obviously this is just a trick this is for the small minds and the small people and stannis doesn't like it stannis I, we get right into stannis's personality and how and as much as the show you could argue whitewashed some of stannis they they make a point to say that he found out about everything from it, from Ned Stark, not from John Aaron, like in the, in the books and being part of the Discovery. The actor through it all, Steve Delane, is that is that his name? I might be uh, fucking up his name. He really brings a lot to Stannis, and he brings the personality of he, 
of who he is really well. This non-humor. Right away, when we get into Dragonstone and they're reading the letter, I declare upon the honor of my house the beloved brother Robert. Stop that. He wasn't my beloved brother. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I didn't love him. Very stern, very stoic. And does it so perfect. You You just get the feeling like... And I feel like you missed the opportunity in season one not having an early council have Stannis on the council in one of the early scenes just to show Robert and Stannis together because you can imagine that these two would not get along. Like you don't, it's not a big stretch to go. There's no way Mark Hattie's Robert and this guy, Steve Delane's, uh, uh, Stannis would get along. There's no way. They would fucking hate each other. It would be. Yeah, no, it would have been, it would have been nice to have had at least one scene of, of like, Robert going back to Dragonstone. Or I mean, um, Stannis going back to King's Dragonstone. Dragon, coming back from Dragonstone Robert, to King's. I can't fucking be your uh, master of. Right, exactly. Just whatever. Even before, like right towards the beginning, before Robert takes off to head to King's Landing, or some some even a even a a deleted scene or something that was on the DVD co- DVD extras or something. It was some scene with him in there. I would have liked to see some interaction between Robert and Stannis on the show at some point. And it, it would have been, it would have been, it would have added yeah, a little do bit. The Robert's rebellion prequel. <laughs> I, I think they could, but then you won't get the same actors playing it. I, I they're much younger men. Cause they're, they're much like younger it. men. I guess I just would have wanted one moment where Stannis leaves the council and goes, I'm going back to Dragonstone. Robert, you're a fucking horse's well, ass. Well, I guess you kind of get that. Ned is almost just like, St- he has a little, anybody that's, that's, that's close to Stannis. It's Ned. Yeah. He has a little bit more of a sense of humor though. He actually has a sense of humor. Yeah. He jokes with Robert sometimes. He's from the north, so he knows how fucking dark shit can actually be. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't love. I love my brother. Could you remove that? Fewer. Could you put fewer compliments for my brother yeah. there? And uh, fewer. That, that Joffrey is actually the bastard son of Jamie Lannister and Cersei Lannister. Uh, no, not Jamie Lannister. Uh, King's Guard. Kingslayer. Kingslayer. King, King, yeah, well, then, then Sir Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Jamie Lannister, Kingslayer. He's the Kingslayer. Put that in there. Yeah. Everybody knows it. That's who he is. And oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Sir, he's also a knight. Yeah, wait, what, whatever. Jamie Lannister, the Kingslayer. Whatever that else is. <laughs> whatever else he is, the man's still a knight, is what he says. Yeah, yeah whatever else, exactly. <laughs> and he says it with such a straight face. Basically, Stannis is writing a letter to everybody, and they don't get they get into how much. It's a letter saying that Robert's kids are not his kids, and he's going to send it to every house in all of Westeros. He, send, he sends ravens everywhere, to every single person. Which means that what, exactly what we get, every single bastard that Robert might have, his life is now in danger. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. He, he sealed it. There is nobody to voice up a claim. Then there is no claim. Stannis killing people with just the, re- just the pen. He, he's, he's very, very Tywin here. Stannis making sure everyone's dead. Okay. So ultimately it doesn't get explained too much, but you get a lot more into it in the book. So I'm just going to kind of yada, yada through the, what happens and not kind of go point to point. Ultimately Crescent is replaced by Stannis because he's not, getting on board the plan by a younger guy and all this sort of stuff. And Melisandre's becoming much more of a, a point of, point of uh, much more of a factor to Stannis. He's using Melisandre uh, for her, for his own he's, agenda. He's, so, uh, so ultimately 
he is it, Crescent is trying to go to Davos. And he's trying to go to everyone to help him stop Melisandre. No one's listening to him. So ultimately, the old man, who's a little clumsy, a little a little lost out of his element, decides to try to take it in his own hands to poison her. And in this scene, Davos da- tries to Davos tries to stop her. Yeah, Davos tries to stop tries to stop the situation. Everybody knows what he's doing. Everybody in the room knows. It's like, dude. We're all going to let you try to poison her, but really? <laughs> welcome, welcome, uh, Katora Sheepy. Awesome fucking name. Welcome. Uh, Kaylana says, Stannis, the pompous, self-appointed dick sucker by succubus ass that no one in Westeros supports besides his f- fanatics and paid pirates sell swords. Fucking great point. But he is the rightful heir. There is no doubt about that. That is... Eh. Like if if the rumors are true and those are not Robert's kids, mm. then Stannis is actually the rightful heir. Mm. He he could do what many would think to be the right thing and step down, like has been done in the past, Meister Eamon. But <laughs> he is too headstrong and too set in his ways, and he believes it's his, and it, he's right. It is his. If those are bastard are not. Uh, Robert's Miss Ash says no. Actually, Danny's the rightful heir, Joe. Danny's technically, if we're going by technical, Danny's technically the rightful heir. Well, well then, well then. Well, <laughs> Ladonna, well, Danny is hit, hit as a Hitler Aryan. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, have a good night, John. Talk to you soon. Uh, Bill says the only person with the rightful claim is the person sitting on the fucking throne. And, that, and, and that is the ultimate truth of it all is the there is only one person who is king, and that's the last man standing. So. So there's that. There, yes, exactly. So there's that. So and, there's and that. As far as Danny being the rightful heir to the throne, I don't think women. Yeah. No, they are heir. They, the throne. No, they can. They're. Uh, I think they're at the same level in Westeros as 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 bastards. I believe. Like like if everyone else, if they're everyone else is dead, then it's whoever's family. I think someone could, someone could correct me that on how the succession works in Westeros. I want to say I've listened to somebody do a video on it or something. Or you know, and then there's also what? Yeah, Bill said. <laughs> yeah, back, like, back when Phil said, if says wants it, he has to fucking take it. Danny is way too p- busy collecting an army of useless mulves anyway, says Tom. Okay, so ultimately this whole scene culminates with with Crescent trying well, to another pull- army needs their ass wiped. Danny's got the army to do it. And the toilet paper. So Bunch of slaves and and beggars and like poor broken people from villages that Drogo's people raped and pillaged along the way so, across the continent. So ultimately, Crescent drinks or poisons a cup, and Davos kind of tries to be like, oh, what's going on? And he drinks it, and then hands, he says, I am committing myself. Sorry, Melisandre, I've been rude to you. Let's share a drink. Takes a sip, and then the most and obvious— Everybody knows. Yeah, it's, it's so obvious. And— one small minor change from the book to the show again is in the book they don't actually sh- he doesn't actually start to die before she drinks it she drinks it right away right afterwards and then stares him down while he dies in this he starts to die and then she drinks it anyways e- either way and she says the night is dark and full of terrors old man but the fire burns them all away so she 
some part of her physiology or some thing she's taken or she knew it was coming. So she prepared herself with, I she's, think she's got her spies. I think she I, knew I it was coming yeah. spies, and yeah. she prepared an antidote. She knew what kind of poison he was getting. Cause in the books, again, he has it all set up and it leaves it on his table and he passes out when he doesn't want to, cause he's an old man. And then he wakes up and he's like, Holy shit. And then he shows up at the table late. Because no one wakes him up. It's, it's like a whole bunch of stuff. It was like really easy for her to figure out what was going on. And I think the other maester ratting him out. His younger his younger yep. maester rat, ended up ratting him out to Stannis or Melisandre. So kind of just let the whole situation happen. And like Danny knew. Everybody knew. Um, Critch says, originally man or woman could succeed. But the Dance of Dragons ended that. And the mayor claimant conceived a council to make a male line of succession. Thank you so much. I, you guys are the yeah, fucking I best. I, I thought I remembered that. So you guys are the fucking best. Okay, so that's the end of that scene. Anything else to say about Melisandre and Stansa? We're going to be talking about a lot of a lot about them in the upcoming stretch. So I think that's. I think we'll leave them here. Because um, I want to get to my favorite scene of uh, the of the episode, of course, because it has Jamie Lannister in it. Joe, you know how much I love my Jamie Lannister. And a big ass. Fucking dog. Fucking wolf. Okay, and this goes Stark time. Cut to the north, the Stark camp. The camera pans over to the watchtower to a wide shot of the camp. In the camp, Rob leads the st- is Rob Stark is led by a man with a torch to where Jamie Lannister is being held. Rob enters Jamie's cage where he's tied to a wooden pole from a good distance the walls of the cage. Okay, I want to mention that they talked a lot in the DVD commentary about the direwolves. And you get a feeling why they don't do the direwolves because... In the first season, they're like, yeah, this is how they're talking. And even in this tone, okay, in the first season, we could get away with the direwolves being dogs because they were still small. In this season, we're going to do it CG. We wasted money doing it CG. It didn't look right. So we ultimately got wolves and then resized them up. But it was still, you know, it was a big process. And they sort of start to complain a little bit about it in the DVD commentary. They're trying to make you feel bad for And basically... They make me feel bad. And I don't feel bad. Fuck you. Dude. This, Have this, a good night, Apulia. There's a storyline that goes along with these fucking wolves that is so important to the whole story, which is one of the aspects they kind of removed from the books that is just... Or or didn't really fully remove it, but didn't explore it enough in my mind. Mm. So we get into this scene with Rob and Jamie, which is a really awesome scene. It's Like I said, it's my favorite scene of the episode. It's really fucking great. And... Uh, and Jamie never drops the wise assness until Grey Wind comes into the room. Then Jamie gets shits his fucking pants. He he somewhat in, somewhat compliments Rob Stark, but then he kind of calls him boy. And Rob gets kind of pissed off that he calls him boy. And he is going to. And Jamie's like, "Why are you keeping you're me? You insult yourself, said Jamie. It's because you know you 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 know you fought a boy. You were beaten by a boy." You were taken captive by a boy, and now if I want, you'd be killed by a boy. Yep. I've, you've ever grown fond of me, Stark? Is it that I've? Uh, you, Is that why you keep me around? Yeah, you yeah. grown fond of me. Uh, and Jamie's like, you don't trust the loyalty of your men to guard me. And he goes, I trust him with my life, just not yours. Smart yep. boy, what's wrong? Don't like being called a boy. You insult yourself, Kingslayer. You've been defeated by a boy. And Grey Wing comes up. You've been captain boy. And Grey Wing gets right up into his face. And Arr. and then he's huge. He's he's absolutely he's his like 
his head is almost at like uh, Rob's breast or shoulder shoulder height on all fours. It's crazy. He would easily be taller than Rob Stark if he stood up on his hind leg. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And he just gets into his face and basically Rob calls him out and he says, listen, Stannis sent a letter. You guys, you are the father of Joffrey and Marcella. It's not we everybody knows. And he goes, well, if that was true, that's. That's very convenient that Stannis is the one saying he's like, no, that's what happened. And Rob's also is able to figure out the brand thing, which is different in the books. Uh, Jamie tells Catelyn uh, kind of off the cuff and doesn't really give a shit and just admits it to Catelyn. But in, in this situation, Rob figures it out because we're building up Rob. And he figures it out, calls him out on it. Jamie admits it, ultimately that he pushed him, but doesn't admit the whole thing about being the bastard's son. And he says, that's why you had him executed I was your prisoner when Ned Stark lost his head. Your son killed him, and the world wouldn't learn who fathered him, and you pushed my brother from a window because he saw you with the queen. You have proof, or do you want to trade gossip like a couple of fishwives? I'm sending one of your cousins down the King's Landing with my peace terms. You think my father's going to negotiate with you? You don't know him very well. No, but he's starting to know me. And Jamie says, three victories don't make... I think he's trying to help him here in some ways. Three victories that you don't... Uh. He's trying to taunt him, that's it. I think he's taunting him, but I just want to put a Joe stress in this. I also think he's like, don't fuck with my father. I think there's some element of that. Don't fuck with my father. You think my father's going to negotiate with you? Yeah, he, he, he's he got tricks up his sleeve that you have no idea about. Right. I think there's some element of that. I don't think Jamie, I think Jamie will never drop the facade, but I think Jamie on some warped warrior level where Jamie th- thinks about honor has a somewhat of a respect, a grudging respect for Rob Stark. Well, he still knows, he still knows that, uh, that even though he hated, like you said, hated Ned Stark, he also has a, a respect for him, knew that what happened to him wasn't right, feels bad for Rob in that aspect pretty much alone, and feels bad not, not that for what he did, but the fact that it happened and to, to Bran. He doesn't care that it was him, but he feels bad that, you know, kind I guess kind of feels bad that the boy is crippled. Not, I, Strike that. He doesn't. Fuck him. Uh, couple Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister oh. should be pissing his absolute pants right now. This fucking wolf is huge. And he and is. Just when it creeps around the corner. Why is it like Rob should have made some sort of remark about how Jamie just soiled himself? Because that's a damn fucking big ass wolf. <laughs> Nobody from uh, below the wall has ever seen a dire wolf before. It's almost fully fucking grown. Are you kidding me? Oh. <laughs> let's uh in fairness in the acting it was just a big green hat uh, no, so, true so uh let's jump in the chat for a second i expect george r. r martin will be alternating some of this plan as he writes his oh talking about uh some of the stuff uh jamie's smart mouth is my favorite part of him i love to hate him says ren renwood someone said interesting phil you think phil was warning rob i like that a lot and uh ladonna says jamie is not taunting him he told john the truth uh about the Night's Watch, and he told Rob the truth as well. I guess I'm a big believer. Part of it is, and Joe knows this, and some of you that listen to these recaps, I'm a little bit of a of a Jamie Lannister apologist. Cause, but, but here's the thing. But the I truth, do think he was warning Rob here a little bit. I really do think the that. The truth cuts deeper sometimes, and sometimes you use the truth to your advantage, and yes. this is one of those times. Yes. So Rob, uh, so Grey Wynn ends up getting right in Jamie's face, and Rob kind of nudges him and to get out of there, and Grey Wynn leaves. Great scene with the direwolf. This is one of my favorite direwolf scenes. And it is, I do want to add that Dan.
Dan and Dave said initially what they wanted was the Jurassic Park sort of thing where they wanted Grey Wind to breathe on him and have Jamie have to like have end up with like saliva on his face, like get right in his face and sort of go and do and just kind of, you know, kind of breathe on him. The alien Jurassic Park thing. And they said it just was uh, it was too tough of an effect to make work. So they, they, they decided against it. Do you think Rob's being a little too overconfident in the scene of his of his position? Uh, I, I I think he's acting exactly how I would feel like someone in his position would would be would behaving be. at the moment. Okay, so let's cut to a scene I don't really want to talk. His dad was a lord, right? Rob's a fucking king, a king in the north, king in the fucking you know, north. Like the, his ego is, and he's won three three big battles and taken. The hand of the king's fucking and the king's uncle and the who and the hand of the king's son away from, you know, captured him. One, supposed to be one of the you know best warriors in Westeros. So we cut to our next scene, which is Tyrion's room. I don't want to talk too much of this because there's only so much Shay I can stand. It's Shay being introduced oh, to the Lion of Lannister. Lion of Lannister. The the whole city stinks like dead bodies and uh, shit, dead bodies and shit. But she's so happy to be here. And there's also birds in the wall, and there's a lot of uh, stuff in that room specifically uh, because the room has not had an opportunity to be redecorated since uh, John Aaron died. So it's just a scene between Tyrion and Shay. There's not much here. That there, it's kind of a flirty back and forth scene between the two of them, and uh, it's great Tyrion stuff. But it's just hard for me to talk too much about that because I'm because of my built-in biases of the future. But they kiss and they and Tyrion's not ignoring what Tywin said and he's letting her stay in the in the hand of the king's suite and Tyrion's going to change the bed because the bed's uncomfortable. Poor Ned Stark had to die. Uh, she warns her about the liars in King's Landing, a couple excellent liars. I think he's talking about Littlefinger and Varys. And she says, you're the the biggest little liar I know. It's a great Tyrion scene. He's very charming in the scene, but you know, yada yada. Anything you really want to say about this scene, Joe? Um, Shay, no. horrible actress as Ladonna. Yeah, um, the chat, the chat basically says says it all. And I was thinking, uh, who who did they say? Imagine uh, Kate Winslet. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know about Kate Winslet playing Shay. I'd rather see like. Uh, What's that chick in the Avengers and Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, I'd rather see her play. Uh, I think we all would rather see Scarlett Johansson in something, in in, in the same <laughs> positions that uh, Shay's in. Okay, so <laughs> I'd rather see her in uh, in the other girls' position, the one at the at the uh, Baelish's residence there. So, so I just want to skip ahead because Roz. Yeah. Because let's get into my probably tied for my favorite scene in the episode, the Cersei and the Littlefinger scene. Holy shit, this is an awesome scene between the two of them. Because Littlefinger's like, I didn't know we were playing this game. And then the subtle extra touch to all of this after all the So ultimately the setup here is Cersei wants to use Littlefinger to try to help him, f- help her find Arya. So... She kind of goes and goes, can you find Arya? Kind of presses him on a, kind of gives him a little bit of shit about his sigil and about the fact that he created his own house. And she, and he kind of thinking that they're just playing a fun game, kind of goes back at her with, uh, well, you fucked your brother and your, your kids are bastards. Ha, ha, ha. And she, and then he kind of makes his little finger stuff where he goes, knowledge is power. It's a Queen Latifah song. And I believe it's it. A, whoa. 
Did you really just threaten the fucking queen? He did. He, what the fuck you? Do you think he thought he could get away with this? Do you, I think do, he did for like a for like a half a minute. Either that, or he didn't think he was threatening her. He, I think he might have been thinking he was like telling her to use like somehow. I, I, he just fucked up. You fucked up. <laughs> you, done fu- you done fucked up, you little You done thing. fucked up. I think, and someone else said this once in someone's recap or someone's review, and I agree that this is one of the few times you see Littlefinger really being scared. Because he. Oh, he's. He, yeah. He, he shits he, his pants. He shits his fucking pants. And Cersei's like, see. He saw Ned's head come off at, the, at, at that word. So when he, she says, guards, kill him, and they start walking, like. <laughs> Drag him up back and kill him? What? I'm like, yeah, he shit himself. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, again, that's another moment that there should have been a comment about <laughs> about someone being soiled. Critch said, Scar- I want to see Scarlett Johansson in a Littlefinger training film. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And I was about to say, I was about to say that movie she made with Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm-hmm. about his porn problem. And there's, there, there's a hallway scene where she's like, you know, gyrating on him at the doorway to her apartment and like leaves him in the hallway all blue balled. That is like one of the hottest fucking scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like, I'm like, oh my, that almost left me with blue balls. Oh up, gosh. Miss Ashes, oh but, the, God, so but the. And so yeah, she would be perfect in Little Figures fucking training video. Miss Ashes, but those guards were all being paid by him, right? So they wouldn't have uh, been in any danger. Maybe if Cersei had commanded powers, power, yep, the whole power thing. No, 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 no. They absolutely, no. They're paying him, but ultimately it's not worth their life to not follow her. Yeah, sure, we'll take your money, but when it comes down to it, we'll fucking kill you if the queen says so. Now, Absolutely. Now, quick question from Tom. Do you guys think those guards really closed their Don't eyes? Yeah. Or do you think they were like, sigh, Cersei again, sigh, Cersei again? No, they, they, were playing, they were playing the chicken. Put your left foot in. Uh, Marcus, Marcus says, uh, Don Juan, Joe. Uh, Ren says, power yeah. resides where men believe it resides. Kaylana says, love Jamie because uh, it's the actor's personality coming through out as a smart. I agree with that. That's part of what I like because it's so true. You, there's not a lot of acting going on he's just being he's just being who he is with jamie well <laughs> donna says that's the justin timberlake wow, whatever goes around comes around throw, throw a little boy out the window that's just him that's just who he is yeah it's not he... it's not method acting it's not good acting he's just a scumbag who wants to fuck his sister is... that's not a far stretch for the actor <laughs> isn't that isn't isn't that dreamy joe okay like, so so basically like, like, remember this is all all from uh george R. R. martin's mind and what they sc- scour hollywood and planet earth for like the perfect actor scumbag <laughs> yeah he, he's amazing isn't he karate kid, karate kid bad guy's not available yeah yeah he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been right he's not good enough actor uh what's his what's his name billy zapka is that his billy name zapka. <laughs> sorry I, sorry that i can't believe i pulled that out greatest, okay. greatest hero of all time yeah he is he is i i, I love that by the way okay so so Cersei basically seizes him, holds him up, and goes, "No, stop! Take three pests. Take t- put your left foot out. Put your left foot in." And uh, Cersei walks away from Baelish and her guards. And the interesting it's hard to get Tom. It's hard to get over some someone pushing a child out a window. <laughs> God, you're just, never gonna let that go. Get over that. <laughs> okay, so ultimately, 
I think the best element of this scene is the fact that Varys already knows all this because we we focus on the little kid at the end of the scene polishing something up on the floor, cleaning some stuff up, which is one of Varys's little birds. I mean, yep. it's guaranteed to be Varys's little bird, one of those characters. Yeah, uh, Peter Baelish makes reference to ask Varys because you know his little birds are everywhere, basically saying that's one of them. Exactly. Okay, so let's get to King of the North scene. We get Rob giving uh talking to i believe his name is alton lannister and alton lannister seems like a nice he seems like a nice lannister he seems like a pretty good one you know one of the good ones and uh cersei that's not fucking cersei yet uh, bill says cersei plays the red light green light with her guards (laughs) that's how asshole brave jamie is say kayla says kaylana (laughs) oh god i love jamie lannister will be the greatest character arc before he bites it says ladonna (laughs) so okay so this is the scene where Rob and we get all Rob's men in the background saying King of the North, King of the North. Rob makes his requests. He wants his sisters back, uh, the remains of all that died in his in his father's body so they can be laid to rest in the tombs of Winterfell and have an honorable funeral. Third, Joff and an honorable request to the Lord. And third, the Joffrey and the Queen Regent must renounce all their claims to the dominance, dominion of the North from this time till the end of time. We are a free and independent kingdom. As Alton's like, what the fuck? You want me to say that to Joffrey? You don't yeah, know you Joffrey. Really die? You're sending me to my death. Right. As Sir Roderick says, King of the North and everyone at the table, King of the motherfucking North, bitches. Neither Joffrey nor any of his men are set Fort in our land again. If he disregards that command, he shall suffer the same fate as my father. And I don't need a servant to do my beheading. And these are my terms. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to be able to return both the girls. Sorry. No. And King Joffrey, there's also the line here where King Joffrey is a Baratheon, not a Lannister. Yeah, sure he is. Go. <laughs> okay. And here we go. Let's get into this scene because... You know, this isn't going to lead to anything horrible, douche, any horrible douchebaggery going on here. We get Theon and Rob's scene where Theon, where Rob's like, you don't have to call me your grace when no one's around. And Theon's like, no, I really, really support you, Rob. I'm like, like, I, I do anything for you, Rob. <laughs> and Rob, he gets into this whole thing about wanting to go to Pike and get his father in the war because he has ships and he could be very, very helpful. The man who fought for King Robert to free themselves from from the South. I'm his only living son. He'll listen to me. Let me go. I'm not a Stark, but I know that your father raised me to be an honorable man. We can avenge him together. Yeah, I haven't seen my dad in 11, 12 years. But he'll he'll listen to me. He'll listen. I, I think he doesn't he doesn't hold a grudge for your family because you <laughs> as, took his last surviving. Son as Tom or, said very clearly, I will never betray you. <laughs> I will never betray, and I believe him. Theon, the greatest conflict of heart I was, ever. I was sold. <laughs> I remember reading this and being like, "Good, good, awesome. We're gonna get, we're gonna get Theon." The first time I saw this involved. too, I thought so as well. I was like, "Oh, this is actually a smart plan." But, yeah. but do you know who doesn't think it's a smart plan? Catelyn, who's like, you Catelyn know, is a smart lady most of the time. In this, in certain situations, she's prof- prophetic, and she and she knows what's going to happen here. And she says, "You don't want Balon Greyjoy as an ally. I need his ships." They say two hundred. Catelyn says, "They say a million rats live in the sewers of King's Landing. Shall we rally them to our fight?" Yeah, no, and she knows people, <laughs> and that's what she knows. Right, and she just gets on this shit. She's like, "Listen, we need to figure this out." And he and he's like, "Listen, they'll." 
we need them. I'm a, you fathered rebels. I'm doing what dad would do. And she's like, no, your dad had to start a rebellion to stop these people. They're fucking yeah, assholes. Yeah, you married rebels. You fathered rebels. I didn't only father rebels. Can you forget that you're going to leave Sansa in the queen's hands? We need to do something about this. And Arya, I haven't heard a word about Arya. It's too complicated, Mom. You know that. In a long pause, she goes, it's time for me to go home. I need to see Bran and Rickon. You can't go there. You need to go to the Stormlands, talk to Renly Baratheon, get his 100,000 men to join my side. I haven't seen Renly Baratheon since he was a child. Just fucking do it, Mom. <laughs> and ultimately, it ends with a really... I love Catelyn in the scene. She's very cute. She's very... I love her being fiery, and it's very effective in the scene. And she's a very she's very smart, as you mentioned, Joe. And it comes yeah. through comes through very effectively. And uh, King Renly, there's a king in every corner now as she smiles. It's worth mentioning that Dan and Dave pointed out in the DVD commentary that Varys and Catelyn both went to school together. They are they are grew up together. So there's that. Varys and Catelyn. Yep, Varys and Catelyn, or the the actors grew up together. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Bill like, says, I uh, don't think that's how the story. <laughs> Bill, sa- Bill says, Theon, you better go rum one out now while you can. <laughs> yeah, right. Never know when your dick might just go up and disappear. Uh, I should save that nut. He's going to meet a special girl on the island. And LaDonna Louise, LaDonna Louise says, I think uh, the story would not be as strong without Michelle fairly being cat. I agree. Yes. And yes. she wasn't she originally and she wasn't originally cast as cat. So they definitely knew they didn't have the right actress for it. And I'm glad that they've recast the pilot and changed stuff from the pilot. I you know who it was. And is that footage still around? Um, I don't know if it's still around. I don't know if the footage has been released. I said it on a previous podcast when we were talking about it in season one. I could I could look it up somewhere, but there there was another actress playing her. There was another actress playing playing Daenerys, and uh, maybe a couple of other parts that were recast. But I know the two big parts were Catelyn and Daenerys. Have a good night, Miss Ash. Talk to you good soon. Night. We are sort of winding down here. So we cut to King's Landing in the throne room. Cersei and her guards into the room. Joffrey's kind of redecorating the place to look more like the Targaryen rule. Say what you want about the Targaryens, but they were conquerors. That's a seat for a conqueror. And we get into this whole thing back and forth about Jaime and that Joffrey heard the rumor about Jaime and Cersei because everyone's heard it now because Stannis sent out the letters. He said, I love it. He's in there remodeling. Yeah, he's remodeling. He's, now that I'm king, I want the throne room to look like a king's throne room. Oh, I need it to look like Christian Grey's playroom is what I need it to look like, is basically. I need all the torture equipment, the ball gags, and then all, all the, the fucking... Dragons sh- back in here. Yeah, we need it all. Uh, Jennifer Ellie was cast as... I might be mispronouncing her name, Joe. You can read it. Was cast as Cat. She looks just like Cat, but they needed Michelle to be... To have that fury, to have that Greek fury. I mean, she looks like an older version of Sansa. Joffrey is such a little shit. I love that guy, says Tom. <laughs> he is such a little shit in this scene. And the way he acts towards her in this scene is hilarious. He's so rude to her. Like, so douchebaggy to her. It's like... Yeah, you, you, your husband was out screwing yeah. around on you, mummy. Basically, what I want to know is, did father fuck other women when he... Smack. That smack was a couple of fucking... It was a couple of weeks too late. What you that did smack is... smack should have come out, out at the beginning. Before the beheading of uh, Ned Stark. What you did is punishable by death. It should have happened before Robert died. (laughs) That smack should have happened. That should have happened with the whole wolf incident. Like a lot of shit should have happened. Our enemies will say anything to weaken your claim. It's not a claim. The throne is fucking mine. 
I just love his attitude. I love how like how he doesn't give a shit about anybody else. The throne's fucking his. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Joffrey is a psychopath, a combination of nature and nurture. Perfect combination. It's like the perfect storm of insanity. I love how he got the fire added to the pillars. Yeah, I, I love his whole setup, and they talk about that in the DVD commentary, too. Uh, we don't get the full disclosure of, of his throne room yet, but when we do, it's glorious. He's got a real glorious throne room. Gimp suit. Yeah, his gimp suits in the sides, says Bill. <laughs> the smack should have happened in the first time he opened his bitch mouth and stopped sucking. That smack should have happened about 17 years ago. We have a call coming in. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Um. Just a quick question about Stannis. Yep. Uh, about Sandra, about that scene with the when the poisoning happens. Um, do you think that's like Melisandre's magic that stops that, or is that like an antidote trick? She's just hiding. Because the magic's back in the world with the dragons, right? Uh, good, good point. Good question about the thing. But I think a lot of I think there is, is magic back in the world because the dragons and the red power works a lot more now, possibly. But I do think some of what Mel does is red god power, and some of it is manipulation, is con man stuff. And I yep. think this was probably she took an antidote before she before she took the poison. I think this is more down. Excuse Especially me. Especially we see her later episodes talking about her potions to the queen to stannis's wife to, Stan, to, to Celise. yeah so i think this was probably more of a man, manipulation tactic on her part to be honest i think she does have magic she does have powers but i don't think she's fully even aware of them at this point because of the dragons awaking i think she's still she's so, discovering what I, she can do i believe i believe in phaser blasters and money, none of this hokey religion shit. <laughs> okay, 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 Tyrion. So, so okay, so this is a really awesome scene between Cersei and Joffrey, and yeah, so she slaps him. He finds out that he has some bastard brothers and sisters, and what you did is punishable by death. You will never do it again, never. That would be all, mother, and he sends her away back to his redirection. Again, right then and there. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill says she can see future events and can foresee danger to herself. So she has some sort of a precog, precog sort of stuff. So she can, or spider sense. She has a, re a, red, a red power, red sense. Tom, uh, Tom Melisandre is 300 years old, per se, the actor's interview spoiling. What is she? She doesn't eat, she doesn't drink. Is she dead? She's 300 years old, according to her. Marcus says, Joffrey's a dick and Tommen's a pussy. <laughs> I'm 304 years old, so fuck Melisandre. Bill says she probably foresaw Crescent's plan to poison her. She snuck it in when he was passed out with the poison on his desk and knew what the antidote would use. So it's probably a combination of both to answer your question, caller. Good question, my friend. Okay, so let's get to the end of the episode. Then we'll take a few more of the chat rooms and call it an evening. Uh, so we get to... The brothel, we get Roz, where we get the quick sex scene, because we needed a sex scene in there. Roz doing the same thing that Littlefinger did to her in last season with the, you sound like an idiot when you're fucking, go put your clothes on, you're basically line for line. And then ultimately in this scene, we get 
the red cloak, uh, the gold cloaks coming in, and Jono Slint is followed by a number of gold cloaks who are dragging along a prisoner. The prisoner points out the baby, and we're about to get the baby killed, and the guy can't kill the baby. And Roz is, well, Roz is all like, "Don't you know where? Oh, you don't are? you know who this place? Don't you know who owns this place? Master of Coins, blah 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 blah." And the opening to that scene, that she's giving uh, fuck lessons now. She's no longer. Uh, Right. The fuck lessons. She's, she's graduated she's, to yeah. graduated to fuck teacher. She's like the mistress of the house now almost. So ultimately this scene culminates with the gold cloaks coming in with Jano Slint, grabbing the baby that we've met last season that's Robert's bastard. Stabbing it in the face. Yeah, and the first guy can't do it. And Roz, once she figures out what's going to happen, she's like, peace, I'm not trying to stop this shit. And uh, Jeno Slint is like, you can't do it. I can do it. He doesn't do it in the book. Someone else doesn't, blanking on their name. But also I want to say that and I, it's been a while, so not all of Robert's bastards are killed like this. this. They basically make it seem like all Robert's bastards are killed in this. He has so many fucking bastards. He has bastards. so many bastards. And we get basically. He's made, he's made the eight. Or made the seven, you know, like this guy gets around. This guy is anywhere he goes, he fucks. He doesn't sleep with Cersei. He he goes to the whorehouses. He goes, he picks women up in taverns. He has he made the eight several women. times. He fucks people's wives and bridesmaids every time there's a wedding. Like this dude has more kid. The seed is strong with the Baratheons, and it and it like that DNA is is. Veril, you know. So the baby gets killed, and we see it off camera. But Game of Thrones is like, "What the fuck? You're killing babies in the opening episode of the season? You fucking are amazing, Game of Thrones!" Like again, it's one of those moments. Like, what fucking show am I watch? This is amazing. So then we get what Dan and Dave called the child killing montage, <laughs> and they and they just they said this was the, their quote on the DVD commentary. This was the, this was both. This is our favorite montage ever put to screen anywhere. And all I needed is a song from Trey and uh, Matt. Yeah, yeah. You need a montage. <laughs> and we. A baby killing montage. montage. <laughs> ah, music always fades out in the montage. It may, Okay, so it ends up getting to Jano Slint holding a. at the Smithy where Gendry was and holding a gun. a gun. A, a knife to the Smithy's. Uh, throat of like, where's where's this kid? Where's the other bastard? Where is he? He went, uh, sold him to the Night's Watch, or gave him to Night's Watch. He is on the King's Road, heading north. How will we know him? He's got a bull's head. He's got a bull's head helmet. He made it himself. Find him as we cut over to Yorin's party on the King's Road. We see Gendry loading the helmet onto the cart, and then we spin around, and oh my god, Joe, we did it. We got her. She's in it. We get a little touch of your girl. <sighs> no. Arya Stark. Oh, sorry. You, you're a boy. Ari. You're not a very smart boy, are you, son? Not a smart boy. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our episode of Game of Thrones as we focus on the danger that this group of Yorin's group is about to face with the gold cloaks on their ass to want to get Gendry. What the fuck is going to happen next in Game of Thrones? We're going to have to find out in episode two next week, Joe. Oh, can't wait. I think next week we might, uh, depending on your work thing, we might be a little earlier next week. Cause, and I'll talk to you about that after after air. So I'll try to pr- post the event on 
on on or before Thursday to let you guys know what time we'll be broadcasting on uh, on Sunday. But I think we might be doing an early cast on Sunday because there is a uh, football game on Sunday evening. So if so, we might do the early day, and I have an early it's morning. It's the night starts at eight thirty. Yeah, so so maybe we'll do early afternoon. Uh, maybe we'll do like an evening like, thing. When do you get When do you get home from work? Eight. Okay, we'll do ten o'clock then. I I need I have also have to get up for a doctor's appointment early that morning. But we will be back next week to talk Game of Thrones at around ten thirty again. Ooh, bam! Next week, motherfucker. Oh, I love this show so much. I love it. It's so great to talk about Game of Thrones. But the thing is, is, is the difference when you hear me make bitches about this show, bitching. When I make bitching about Game of Thrones, it's more about my frustration with uh, like the characters and absolutely nothing to do with you know anything but like, why would you do that? I want to do something different. Like I want to make the choice. I want to watch the uh, the way the choices are made the other way, like with the foresters. You're, you know what I mean? Like you're right. By the way, uh, Tom says uh, fucking priorities, Phil. Yeah, I'm sorry. Get I have to get up here other way. It doesn't fucking matter. We'll be out here next week. There are going to be some Sundays that we might have to miss. I might be on vacation one Sunday and stuff like that. But for the most part, we're going to be out here every Sunday in between. Uh, for the, for the foreseeable future, Sundays are just going to be alternatives between Walking Dead, Game of Thrones stuff. So definitely tune in for that. Joe? Yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this Game of Thrones recap. We really appreciate it. You guys in the chat were intense tonight. Cannot thank you guys enough. And we're really going to get through these Game of Thrones. We're going to do these at a lot quicker pace, like I said, every week or, you know, occasionally every two weeks. But really get these out. And we're going to try to catch up before the next season of Game of Thrones or at least get as close as possible. We don't have that many episodes left to catch up, Joe. We just have uh, 19 19 episodes. And we got, what, like 20 weeks? Yeah. uh, No, we got 10 weeks in between. But oh, until Game of Thrones starts in April. Yeah. Yeah, I think the math we possibly could do it. And maybe we will double up. Maybe pick a week where we do a couple in a week or something like that. Do night to night. We'll figure it out. But I want to try to get try to get all up to season three. So then we can start doing some uh, theory videos, some house videos, shit like that. Character profiles, podcasts like that. So everybody, thank you so much. And everyone that's checked out my trailer response stuff for Game of Thrones season six. If you haven't already, check that out had a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing a lot more of those green screen trailer reaction videos. I had a good time doing those this week. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. Share this video with a friend about Game of Thrones. Thank you to Critch, Kaylana, Ren Renwood. Don't forget the community, the group Friends of Filthy Issues Guy, which is growing and getting bigger and bigger and so many awesome posts from Ren Renwood, Sam. Uh, yes, Al Red Sox fan. I'm going to miss people, and if I didn't say your name, I'm so sorry, but we have so many people in the group and so many people posting so many awesome stuff. So join that and join the fun. Check out Dirty Issues Gaming for, for Joe's streams and I'll be doing some uh, far, far out Wait a minute. Like far, not far cry yeah you gotta start streaming more I gotta start there, streaming so. some more video game stuff uh, it's, uh, it's about stretching into time once I get into uh, the winter I'll be doing a lot more game streaming and I like to feel like I'm good at a game before I start like I'm like playing Fallout yeah. now but I'm really awful at it but I'm gonna do some Fallout streaming on the channel so check yeah, out that head, stuff head over there everybody head over there and subscribe and then uh, 
get those updates and, and join me. I like to I stream almost every day, yeah. more, more than a couple times a week for hours on it. And yes, Lady Squee as well. And and there's so many awesome people. You can find I, you can find the link to the group in the description below, or I think Ren also uh, included a link. And please join up that. You can find us on Facebook if you search Phil's Recap and Review. You can find our website, issuesprogram.com. Lots of good stuff. What were you going to say, Joe? Um, uh, that if you do check me out, I stream on the PS4. And if you check out the streams and you like it, friend me on PS4 and play with me. Yes. Join, join the streams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, Al, Red Sox fan, if anyone's curious, has been doing some streams as well. I was watching him today. He's very funny on his stream. So check him out as well. Everybody, again, I love you guys so much. We love you. We will talk to you later. I will be back later this week with some crap, some sort of shit. And Joe and I will be back next week to talk more fucking Game of Thrones. Woo! Joe, have a good night. You too, bro. Love you. Talk to you later, folks. Good night.